Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of All Queued Up, our end of year mega show with special guests from Netflix, Paramount Plus, Disney Plus, and a rare appearance by the movie theater. I'm your host, Greg Dates, and with me always is Maya Don Fisher. How you been this week? It's been a fucking wonderful week. Purely uh, just from an entertainment standpoint, best week of the year. Um, but I mean, from a personal standpoint, a pretty fucking good week as well. Uh, so yeah, yeah, things are, things are great. Uh, I just want to say right off the bat, uh, Merry Christmas, happy holidays. Uh, if you celebrate, celebrate Christmas, uh, we hope you have a wonderful Christmas here. Uh, if you celebrate other holidays, happy holidays to you, uh, and your holiday of choice. We hope that yeah, well, happy. Winter it's just Christmas. a wonderful. T- <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. If you're a weirdo, um, well, the winter Christmas is just. <laughs> I know, is, <laughs> okay, I was like, I was like, I was like, I don't like. I guess if someone is Wiccan, you're a weirdo. But I also can, but I consider like Christians to be more weirdos personally. But you know, they're all weird. To each your own. Um, but yeah, my my week's also been pretty fucking good. Uh, I figured out a few things and. I'm having things working for me instead of me working for them. If that makes sense, that's very vague, and I'm I'm leaving it vague. But um, we also had our little secret Santa thing on uh, this week, which we was did. a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. You fucking killed it in the trivia, by the way. Like, holy shit! Was there any surprise? A little bit. Like, I didn't think you oh, knew that okay. much about Christmas movies. <laughs> I, I guessed on a lot of the Christmas movies because, let's be fair. A lot of those movies, I have, I've never seen It's a Wonderful Life. I've never seen It's a Miracle on 34th Street. I've never seen, you know, most of those movies that there were trivia questions about. I just guessed. What's funny is that most of the people in there have seen those movies and still got it wrong because the trivia questions were very like, do, do you remember the name of the jacket, the second extra was wearing in the scene of elf and i'm like what the fuck are you talking about like it's shit like that that he was that he was doing and i'm like i've seen elf i've seen miracle of fourth three i've seen fucking um uh it's a wonderful life multiple times still got those wrong 100 got those wrong well i actually corrected him on the uh it's a wonderful life question because the question was um Finish the quote. Every time a bell rings, uh, an angel gets its wings, and he had his wings, and it should have been its wings. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. I was like, I was like, how did he write that? Because I know I could. The Die Hard one was wrong, flat out wrong movie. Uh, it's like the villain in Die Hard plays Simon Says, or plays what game with John McClane, and he had Simon Says. And I'm like, not the original Die Hard. He didn't. That was Die Hard Three. Die Hard with a Vengeance. Was Samuel L. Jackson, and it was Hans Gruber's brother Simon that was doing the whole Simon yeah. Says thing. Yeah, because I read it and I was like hide and seek, and then my brain was like, "It's the probably answer is probably Simon Says because that is in a Die Hard movie." But I was like, I honestly couldn't remember if that was a thing in the first Die Hard. It wasn't. Well, yeah, but yeah, I was. 
out of there were 77 questions i ended up with a final score of 716 the only person to score over 700 actually what i would love to do if i can with jason next year is i would love to work with him on the trivia mainly because i used to write trivia for um a bar like uh trivia night at a bar um i am meticulous with trivia it's well see i did it last year i set up most of it last year i mean he laid out the format and i set up the trivia questions um this year i was like i've been going through some stuff and i was just like i don't have the time or the energy to devote to it this year i said i'm really sorry but i'm not going to be any good to help out with the whole thing this year yeah and he's like, I understand. So he and Bethany did it like the night before. They did it last minute. <clears throat> right. They left They left two of the questions in that I had done from last year, which one of them I did get right. The other one I forgot completely and missed it. <laughs> uh, what I'd love to do to him is like sometime in the middle of the year, do just like a trivia get together where we have like five categories of movies and category one is sci-fi category two is superhero and you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. That'd be fucking fun as hell, but, um, love trivia, but I, I fucked up on the first round. I didn't know you had to click on it and then hit submit. So I got zero points on round one. Well, out of, there were 14 or 15 of us playing. Yeah. At the end of the first round, I was in 10th place. Because I literally didn't know the answers. I was just like, I'm missing these. I don't know I'm missing these. I was like, I'm going to do poorly. And then I got into my groove. And I was in third round, third third spot after the first round. I was in third place the entire time until the last two rounds. And I was in first. <laughs> yeah, you fucking... <clears throat> you were like, let me put this into fucking... Turbo. This dude is fucking hilarious. But it was um, cool, you know. It was nice to win a little gift card. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Ran a, ran a little long, but, you know, it was still a good time. It only ran long because there was a lot of, like, stopping between questions. <laughs> yeah. Honest. Yeah. Like 75, 75 questions is a lot, but it's also not, like, two and a half hours a lot, you know? No, no. But, uh, it was under two hours, just right at two hours, I think. And, you know, for the amount of people that were participating and the amount of crosstalk and talking in between questions, that's what made it take so long. Right. And to be honest, we were all there to hang out with each other and, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. kind of get in the Christmas spirit and have frivolity and camaraderie and all that. Right, right. Honestly, I needed it because I was... I'm having a rough day that day. Yeah, I remember that. <clears throat> Speaking of two hours, we should probably get to the reviews, considering I wouldn't want somebody to listen to more than two hours of a podcast. But due to the nature of this podcast, with five or sorry, four things being talked about, um, we're going to not have a time limit, but we're definitely going to have a moment where like conversation has ended, and then we're going to do our final thoughts. Um, and I'll just kind of wing that because. You know, you know how it is. You listeners know how it is. Uh, so the the what we're discussing today, and and I hope you're caught up with us because, look, it was a lot of it's a lot of content, but it was not that much content. We've watched more hours for the show in a week. Um, this is true. 
This is absolutely true, especially back in the days when we would do two entire seasons of things and they would be like 13 hour long episode seasons each. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> that's also when I didn't have a job, but that's besides the point. Um, or at least not a not as many hours of a job as I have now. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Um, we're going to be discussing The Witcher Season 2. Then we're going to move into South Park post-COVID, the return of COVID. Um, Hawkeye finale, or episode six of Hawkeye. And Spider-Man No Way Home. So, because if there's one thing we do on this damn podcast, it's we talk about Marvel a lot. So, that, and oh, do we ever have a lot to talk about Marvel today. Yes. Um, so, let's dive into Witcher uh, season two. Uh, a lot fucking happened this season. Like, oh, it absolutely did. Like, every episode had a major fucking thing happen. <laughs> it felt like <laughs> I only have one complaint about the entire season. Not enough Jaskier. Oh, I love Jaskier. Uh, you know, in the books, he's called Dandelion. Yeah, uh, and isn't he called something else in the game, too? Like, no, it's Dandelion. Oh, okay. In the original Polish translation, uh, or the original Polish language, he's called something else, and they changed it to Dandelion because they wanted it to sound more masculine for the English translation. Right. And I'm sitting there thinking, I think you kind of missed the mark there. <laughs> hey, my name is Marigold. Uh, well, let's, let's man that up. How about Dandelion? Yeah, I guess. I don't know how that manned it up, but here we go. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this, this season, it started off, you know, where season one ended, of course, as most things do. Uh, picks right up after, you know, Geralt and Siri finally come together for the first time. Uh, he is... Uh, he has her on horseback, which his horse is called Roach. Um, and they all. <laughs> we'll get to it, but fucking not okay. Uh, he, he's taking her to Caramoran, and they briefly, you know, go by that battlefield where the big battle at the end of last season happened. Uh, and he's looking for Yennefer, and so are the other mages that were there at the battle. They're looking for Yennefer, and Tessaia is distraught because they can't find her. But her body's not there. Turns out she's been captured uh, yeah. by the Nilf Guardians and Fringilla. By the uh, way, the uh, the shots of uh, her looking into other soldiers' minds, and you get to see their first person's death, like, that was cool. That was really fucking That cool. was very cool. Like an axe to the fucking skull. I'm like, oh, goddamn. But yeah, th this this first episode's just basically getting you caught up with where everybody is in the moment. Um, Geralt and Siri are traveling to Caramoran, but on the way they come across a town, uh, and it is you know nearing the winter time, and winter time is when all the witchers return to Caramoran. Uh, they call it you know wintering up. Uh, where they go home, heal, replenish their potions, repair their weapons, their armor, train, 
uh, you know, up their techniques, what have you, just to stay sharp. And they also, there's a lot of drinking and feasting and just swapping stories and everything because it's really the only couple of months of the year that they see each other. The yeah. rest of the time they're out on the road earning uh, earning their way and killing monsters for coin. Which I want to point out real quick that we've seen Kara Morin in um, an anime. The you know I, I don't remember if they went to it in season one. No, no, no. Yeah, I didn't think they did. in season one at all. Uh, like I, th- I thought maybe like in a flashback, but we you know it's been in the games and holy shit did they nail the look and feel of that fucking location. Is it a castle? Do you want to call it a castle? I don't know. I don't it, want to call it. it it's a castle. It's okay. a, it's absolutely a castle. I mean, it's got walls. It's got a keep. Yeah, but oh my god, like the exact like layout that exists in my mind is what it was in the show, and I was like, God, it's fucking amazing. Yeah, in the first episode, it was really cool because on the way to Caramore, and they get sidetracked because you know they come across this town, and they want to hole up for the night. Uh, the town's deserted, and he's like, "Well, I've got a friend that lives nearby, and the villain. We'll go see him." Turns out his old friend's been turned and cursed into a giant man-like warthog. Uh, and this was really cool because it was the actor that played Tormund on Game of Thrones. I thought I recognized him. Yeah, yeah, that was the guy that played Tormund, who was one of the best characters in Game of Thrones, by for the sure. Way. Yeah. Um. But yeah, um, really cool uh, what happened here. You get a lot of exposition. Um, it's one of my yeah. favorite things about this show is that they they really take their time to flesh out even minor characters. Because mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't call this guy a major character. He's in an episode, and it's really to just kind of... I, in a way, it felt like it was it was designed to get the audience back into, or at least in a mindset of where the show's going to go. In 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 like a, um, Geralt and uh, Siri are going to go through some shit this fucking episode. Get fucking ready. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so Geralt is trying to find out the truth of what happened to Navellan. Uh, he's like, why are you a beast now? He's like, oh, you know, it's because I, I raided a temple and desecrated it. And this is my curse. And he keeps hearing noises. He's like, what is that? He's like, oh, it's a cat. Cats don't like witchers. So of course it's staying away from you. You know, I'm cursed to be alone. Um, And then they start to play a drinking game, uh, throwing knives. And if they miss the target, then they have to drink and answer a question truthfully. And for some reason, Geralt keeps missing everything, and the villain is bullseyeing everything. Uh, turns out he was cheating because Geralt, Geralt pulls a knife out of his boot, boom, throws it bullseye. He's like, all right, now tell me the truth. What's going on here? Come to find out, he has been hiding a Bruxa, which is a vampire, um, and is in love with the Bruxa and lets it feed on him at night in order to uh, quell her hunger and 
as a result, he's not alone and he's fallen in love with her. But it ends badly because Gerald ends up killing the Brooks. <laughs> uh, by doing so, it does lift the curse. <laughs> to which he reveals that I didn't defile the temple. I raped the priestess of the temple. Uh, it's really a fucking like sad story. Like, Oh, it um, really is. That was the thing that I think clicked with me so much. I was like, damn, that was like probably one of the sadder stories that short stories, I guess you could say that the witchers told so far, but I mean, the game is full of that shit too. Like you'll come across people in the game that you're just like, Hmm, boy, this story fucking sucks. I mean, it's good, but hurt your heart a well, little bit. <clears throat> well, I'm, I've, I've actually started replaying through Witcher 3 um, because I adore that fucking game. Uh, and one of the characters that you come across, because uh, it starts out you're on the hunt for, for Siri. Uh, you haven't seen her in some time, and she's on the run from the wild hunt. Um, and one of the characters you come across is a baron... <clears throat> who had uh, his men had happened upon Siri when she was injured and they gave her shelter and food and nursed her back to health and, you know, spent some time with her before she departed in order in exchange for the information of what happened to Siri and where she's headed. He asked Geralt to find his family. His family has vanished. His wife and daughter had vanished. Turns out his wife had a miscarriage and his daughter and wife had run away. Well, the miscarriage, the baby, uh, it was just lying there on the bed and his wife was nowhere to be found. He didn't even name the baby. He just put it in a shallow, unmarked grave and it became a botchling, uh, which is basically a possessed demonic infant right. uh, with multiple rows of teeth that will rip out the jugular of anybody that picks it up. Still got the umbilical cord wrapped around its body and everything as it crawls. It's fucked up. Uh, I'm you know, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and you, you come to find out it's like he was an abusive husband and father, uh, emotionally abusive and neglectful to his daughter, but verbally and physically abusive to his wife and vice versa. And it was just a really sad story, but it was like, okay, he's not the only one to blame, but it's still, it's just, there's tons of sad stories like that in both the books and the games. And I started reading the books as well. And the first two books are actually collections of short stories. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the very first short story that was written was um, episode three of season one. Uh, the Betrayer Moon. Uh, that's where Geralt. Uh, goes and finds the Striga. Uh, for King Foltest. And it turns out it's his sister's child. Which was also his child. The king that was in love with his sister. And they had a child together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and he had to cure the Striga. Yeah, that was the first short story. But this one, uh, this, 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 uh, the second season is based on a grain of truth from The Last Wish. And the first book, the, the first actual novel, Blood of Elves, and the very beginning of Time of Contempt, which is the second book. So that's what this covers. Uh, there are differences in the books 
uh, in the games because in the second episode was the biggest deviation from the books and the games. And it's the one that upset me is my only complaint about the second, the the season as, as a whole is they all go back to care Morin and uh, the last to arrive is Eskel. Uh, Eskel's characterized uh, by scars on his face from a battle when he was younger. Um, Eskel had been infected by a leshy or a leshen, uh, which is uh, a Slavic mythological creature, and they are terrifying in the games. Um, basically, Eskel dies. Mm-hmm. Eskel's a big character in the books and in the games. Uh, what's really funny and interesting to me um back when season one was out and i was like trying to replay two or three um it they made it very clear like the the entire um not witcher community but the witcher uh basically the company that owns all the like owns the name and licenses out and whatnot to mm-hmm. that the continuity of the books, the continuity of the games, and the continuity of the show are all different continuities. Exactly, exactly. They're go- you're going to have a lot of similarities, um, but you're going to have differences. And this is the one big difference, you know, like, I mean, Eskel's not a major character by any stretch of the imagination, you know. I mean, the main characters are Geralt, Ciri, and Yennefer. That's the three main characters, but Eskel right. was a very strong supporting character and like a brother to Geralt. Uh, so I consider that to be a big change. Um, but you know, you get to see the Witchers wintering at Kaer Morhen, Um, you know, and uh, some of the Witchers are upset at Geralt for bringing Siri there and blame him. Uh, for the death of Eskel. Yeah. Um, Which I thought was so weird, because, like, it, it seemed odd to me that the Witchers would blame him, only in the context that it was very clear that this was Eskel's fault. Because not even, like, like, Vesemir didn't blame him. Vesemir was like, you had to do what you had to do. And it fucking sucks. I personally thought it was very strange that they were blaming her, but it it also made sense because two factors. As far as I know, there's never been a a female Witcher. There, um, there's not. In fact, it's always been prohibited for females to become Witchers. That's what. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, and as a matter of fact, side note, Vesemir, the guy they got to play Vesemir. Fucking perfect. I mean, you look at the Vesemir from the character models of the video games, and then of course Vesemir from the description of the books. They, the guy that they've cast as Vesemir, nails the part. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. Um, I one thing about this whole show before we get on with what you know happens next. One thing about this whole show that kind of drove me nuts a little bit was. It felt like the other witchers were bad at being witchers. <laughs> like, I don't know if it was to make Geralt look fucking even bigger and badass, but my god, like, well, he is the best of the bunch. Yeah, I get that, but they're still supposed to be witchers. Like, they're not 
it felt like they were easily taken care of. Whether they were killed or not, it felt like they were taken care of way too easily. But Well, if you go back and watch season one, I mean, you know, Gerald gets into some pickles on his own. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that witchers don't get into pickles, but um, it just kind of felt like a little bit that they were just bad at being witchers. Yeah. I, get, I don't know if that's intentional or not, but... I get what you're saying. Um, now, while this is going on, uh, he's taken Siri to Caramorn and begins to train her. Uh, and the other witchers, you know, they're like, oh, you want to be one of us? Lambert especially gives her a hard time at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've nailed Lambert's personality. Uh, and, uh, but uh, Lambert's a good character. I really like him a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, he was a lot of fun. Uh, the other one that, uh, or the scene where uh, him and the other Witcher take Siri to Cohen. That, like, okay, that's yeah, Cohen. I was like, I was Cohen's like, also from the book. Yeah, that's Cohen. He's also from the books and briefly in the games. Uh, but in the books and the games, he's from the school of the Griffin. He's not a school of the wolf witcher from Caramoran. He just happens to be there uh, and hangs out because he and Lambert are really close friends. And, you know, he's friends with all the other witchers and everything, but he and Lambert are super close. But yeah, yeah. when you take her to the the gauntlet like, thing that you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Like she, I thought it was so badass that she was like, I'm not fucking giving up until I get through this goddamn thing. Mm-hmm. And then, and then Geralt comes back and he watches her get through the whole thing, but then gets a fucking yeeted off at the very end. And I was like, I was like, what is he going to say to her? And it was like, almost so close. <laughs> yeah. So close. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that, no, that was, I, oh, dude, it was, it, that was an awesome scene, but, uh, I love her determination. Yeah, how she wants to be just like Geralt. She want and her reason she gives it later in the season. I don't remember what episode it is, but the reason that she wants to be like him is because it's always said that witchers have no feelings; they have no emotions, which is entirely untrue. It's just what people think, and through their long lifespans and their mutations that they undergo and their training they undergo they learn how to control their feelings, but they still experience their feelings. Yeah. And that's what he kind of explains to her. He's like, I still feel, you know, and it's made clear that he does feel and, you know, he feels anger. He feels sadness. He feels joy. He feels love. He, he's growing uh, to love Siri as a daughter. Uh, I know it happens. I know it happens later in the show, but when he meets back up with uh, uh, Yaskier, I was like, and the, the the small little interaction they had. Oh man, I was just, I was so happy to see that. I was like, yay! Oh, absolutely. You know, and that was great. And before we get to Yaskier, you know, it, it, he doesn't get introduced until about four episodes in, um, but. It, uh, Yennefer, she's been kidnapped, uh, 
you thought it was originally by the Nilf Guardians, but she uh, she and Fringilla actually get taken captive by Phil Evandrel, the former king of the elves. And they're taken to Phil Evandrel, and they meet Francesca Findebear, uh, who is the basically the now leader and wife of Phil Evandrel, and she's now the acting leader. She's like, you had your chance. You failed us. Now I'm leading. But Yennefer, Frangilla, and Francesca, who is an elven mage, they're all experiencing very similar visions. And they tell each other about these visions, and they take a passageway that takes them to a hut. And it's they have visions individually from the, uh, who they refer to as the Deathless Mother. Uh, she takes various forms and presenting herself as uh, to each one as someone important to them or other versions of themselves and make promises to them. Uh, Yennefer is discovered, though, she doesn't have access to her magic. She can't create or control any magic. So for the bulk of the season, she has no magic, and you see her having to struggle with this. And the Deathless By Mother... the bulk of the season, you mean all of it? <laughs> oh, she gets it back in the last episode. <laughs> but, but the Deathless Mother, who they refer to as... Um, God, what was her name? You're She's basically... Me. She's basically based on Baba Yaga. Yeah. Uh, but Volith Mir is her actual name. Uh, she's based on Baba Yaga. Uh, she promises Jennifer, she's like, hey, you bring this child here and shows her a vision of Siri to the black door that should never be opened outside of Sentra. You'll have your magic back. You can have your magic back. You can have your power. So that's what Yennefer is after. Uh, you know, she goes back to Aratusa. She uh, confronts the Brotherhood, and they're like, well, where's your allegiance line? Does it lie with us, or does it lie with Nilfgaard? Because you've been gone for over a month. And they've taken Kahir, the Black Knight, the villain in the first season, uh, that Siri was on the run from, they've captured him. And they're like, you want to uh, kill this guy to prove your allegiance to the sorcerers and the sorceresses? And Yennefer's like, I, you know, I don't owe allegiance to anybody and he shouldn't have to die for this. And they escape. So now they're on the run. And that's how, when they're on the run, uh, they come into... Uh, Oxenfurt, which is a, one of the major cities on the coast, um, they run into some elves that are trying to escape underground because basically Redania is going around exterminating all the elves. I was going to say this show does a uh, a lot of a lot more than season one of um, the racial tensions. Of by the way, something I've never looked up is the name of the world that this existed. Well, it's just, the land is just called the continent. Okay. Not like, you know, Westeros or something to that effect. Or Middle Earth. 
Yeah, they just call it the continent. And there's okay. the north and their south. And the Skellige Islands, those are the main things. And in the north, you had Sintra. Sintra was the jewel of the north, and then it yeah. fell to Nilfgaard. Nilfgaard was from the south. And you have Redania and Tamaria and other countries like that. And, you know, everybody is at each other's throat, and everybody's at war. And you get to see, uh, in Redania, you get introduced to the character of uh, Sigmund Dijkstra. And uh, Philippa Al- Alhart, uh, their spy masters and court mages to King v- Vizimir. And they're, you know, making their plans to plot. There's just so much going on. It's wonderful. But Yennefer and Kahir, they uh, find, you know, this like underground railroad for elves uh, and uh they're being helped by a mysterious figure called the Sandpiper, and it turns out it's Yaskier. He's smuggling elves to Sintra where they can be free. And that's how Yaskier gets introduced to the show. And he's heard, he's bitter, he's singing a song about, you know, how the butcher wounded him, and he's singing Burn, Butcher, Burn. <laughs> yeah. That was that was a cool song. Uh, but yeah, there's just so much going on. Uh, and that's only the first half of the season, and it's just a little breakdown of what's going on. Yeah. You know, there's so much that happens in the second half. You know, I don't want to give away a lot of plot details or anything. One of my one of my absolute favorite things about this show is it doesn't. It feels like it doesn't hold back from what it needs to show or how it's be, how it's being shown. Um, it really kind of goes full bore into things and. Like I was trying to say a second ago, because I, I immediately was going to be like, I was going to say the racial tensions between humans and elves. I really enjoyed that because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of stuff that happens uh, within those cities that I thought was such a weird or not not weird, but like interesting difference in dichotomy with what is going on and how the different races look at the other races. But they're like they're not that far apart. Like one of the things about the show, and I don't know, I know the games kind of does a good job, but they're 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 close enough to make it in a day on a horse. Like they're not that far apart, and being not that far apart, um, again, I could be wrong, but it feels like they're not that far apart. Uh, but the racial tension still being as strong as they are, and like the end of this show's implications for what's going to happen in season three. I'm very excited for season three. And that's the other thing I have to admit. The other thing that kind of worries me a little bit, Netflix is notorious for canceling a show regardless of its viewership, because if a show doesn't bring in a brand new swath of viewers, they Mm -hmm. will consider canceling it. And the thing about Witcher season two so far, it has not brought in that many people like back to the service. Most of the people that have it are watching it. It's getting tons of views, but the number of new subscribers or new um, uh, or returning subscribers is not that high. I, yeah, and Netflix really can just fuck off with that practice. I agree because it's a, it's a horrible practice. Yeah, 
But the worry, the the worry is the worry definitely is legit. Yeah, but I know the showrunners have a seven season plan, and it's it. I mean, the show's a mega hit. It absolutely it, it, is. Absolutely, with like, with current subscribers, but that whole well is it bringing in new subscribers what i'm hoping here's what i'm hoping is that the witcher has kind of hit um stranger things level of popularity to the point where it won't matter like they'll just keep letting them make the show forever regardless of new subscribers that's what i'm hoping and you know unfortunately some other things may take a hit as a result uh but I mean, this is one of my favorite properties. Uh, obviously, yeah. Like, like I said last week, you went, you went full ham into like the books, the games, the fucking uh, that D and D set or tabletop RPG, I should say. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait till that comes out, just for the sheer amount of miniatures alone. <laughs> they're all uh, non-colored, so you get to paint them, right? Yeah, they're all unpainted unpainted uh, so yeah you're gonna have fun with that mm-hmm. but yeah um uh before we get into our final thoughts and a grade um r.i.p uh should i say it no no okay no you shouldn't mm-hmm. i just trust me your reaction to that was very similar to misty's reaction and my reaction was yeah uh, dude i'm not okay with it <laughs> Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you something off off air. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we yeah. should. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just and just FYI, everybody, like other things we're reviewing today are going to get spoiled, like Spider Man and Hawkeye. But there's reasons oh, behind that. But that's also kind of why we started with Witcher because it's it's newer. Not everyone's going to be able to get through eight episodes in a week like we did. So, um, I've but the other things are. <laughs> I watched it. I, I, I binged the entire season Saturday day, uh, afternoon, morning, afternoon, and evening. Misty and I watched the entire season. And then I watched part of it again Sunday night, part of it again Monday night, Monday day, and then finished it up again Tuesday. Um, I was just like, oh, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, if anybody's wondering what kind of grade I'm going to give to it, it's a fucking plus. It absolutely is wonderful. The music is fantastic. The cinematography is gorgeous. Shots look even better this season than they did in the first season. Uh, you can tell that the production value has increased. Uh, you know, it sucks because of COVID. It took two years for the season to get done when, you know, because they had production delays because of COVID. And then, of course, Henry Cavill actually was injured on set yeah. uh, because he does all his own stunt work. He is adamant about doing all of the own, uh, all the action. Yeah, he, so, he said uh, it was either in an interview or something to that effect that he was like that season two uh, almost ruined his action movie career. Yes, he did say the hamstring injury that he received in season two almost ruined his ability to do action and stunts. Uh, so that's why, you know, it, it took some time for him to get back to health. Uh, but I'm glad that he did, and I'm glad he's able to do what he does because uh, motherfucker was born to play Geralt. Uh, he just was. The thing about like Henry Cavill is he is a ma- like I've said this before. He is a massive nerd. Like oh, I know, and I love it. 
Like the dude had a stream a while back where he built his own PC, which is something I can't even do. So the dude, like, man, if if he started a fucking like a D and D um, stream, that shit would be that would oh my god, people would flock to it. But um, one of the things is apparently he said he wants to he wants to do a show based off of Red Dead Redemption and be in. Yeah, it. I'm like I'm like yeah, fuck yeah, dude. So as I love long as he can still. Yeah, yeah. As long as he can still play Geralt and give us this, oh yeah. If he could become either, either Arthur Morgan or John Marston, either one from Red Dead. Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> um, I see him more of as John Marston than Arthur Morgan, but still. Yeah. Uh, I'm also going to give it an A+. I think this show is fucking fantastic. It did the job of me playing a video game while watching it. And I've been playing. I've been trying to get through Pokemon uh, Diamond, Brilliant Diamond, or what the fuck it is, and um, a game called Loop Hero, which you don't have to pay 100% attention to Loop Hero. It's great. Um, this game was making me have to pause those to watch. Like that's not a common thing for me. So, yeah, when it happens yeah. when when it happens. You know, this shit's good. Absolutely, but, uh, when something grabs your attention like that. So, um, all right. Well, so yeah, we say absolutely watch The Witcher. Oh yeah, and 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 there's tons. There's I was telling Greg right before we started recording. There's a lot of supplemental material out there that they've put out in the past couple of weeks. Like there's five and six minute breakdowns of each episode from season one, just giving you a recap and talking a little bit about the influences and origins of the story where they pull it from and you know where each character is uh in their mindset and how they want to proceed with things and then they've got like another little mini documentary like a 15 minute breakdown of the characters overall like you know who's who and how do they relate to this person and that person and this kingdom and that kingdom and uh there's well, that leads me to believe that they're not going to cancel it after season two, regardless of the returning and or new viewership. Yeah. You know, and then there's the animated prequel, uh, the um, the Nightmare of the Wolf that focuses on Vesemir. Uh, Which is fantastic. And then at the end of episode eight, I don't know if you saw it or not, but they ab- announced a prequel yes. for the Witcher series. Blood, Blood Origin? And, Blood Origin, yeah. Yeah. With so, with Michelle Yao with a fucking sword. Yeah, like so. What, like yeah, yeah. I'm in. Like that's all you had to tell me was Michelle Yao, Witcher, uh, uh, Witcher prequel. She has a sword, and I'm already gonna watch it. Like you didn't have to show me a trailer, but thank you for it. I guess. Um, yeah. Speaking so of I, Michelle, go ahead. That 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 just it gives me hope. Uh, and more peace of mind that they're not going to cancel it. Uh, yeah. It lets me breathe easier knowing that they're all in like that. I mean, they wouldn't be yeah. if, season, if season one wasn't such a hit. Oh, absolutely. Um, so side note, speaking of Michelle Yao, she's going to be, she's in a movie coming out next year, uh, specifically in March, uh, called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. It looks amazing. If you haven't seen the trailer for it, I highly recommend it. 
The synopsis is an aging Chinese immigrant is swept up in an insane adventure where she can she alone can save the world by exploring other universes connecting with lives she could have led. It looks amazing. It, it looks hilarious, by the way. Like it's straight up funny. But yeah, sorry. I'll I, have to I, watch that trailer. The other the other trailer that I would recommend for people to watch, by the way, that I'm super excited about is um uh the uh hold on. It stars Nick Cage playing Nick Cage. So that immediately should tell you you know it's gonna be good. Um The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Oh, that doesn't sound pompous and arrogant at all. Oh, but it's here's the point of like the point of the movie is making he's making fun of himself. Oh, absolutely. I know. So he's a fun guy. So the he really synopsis is. he can poke he can poke fun of himself. Oh yeah. The synopsis is a cash strapped Nicolas Cage agrees to make a paid appearance at a billionaire super fan's birthday party, but is really an informant for the CIA since the billionaire fan is a as a drug kingpin and gets cast in a Tarantino movie. <laughs> uh P- pedro pascal plays uh, a major role uh neil patrick harris plays a major role tiffany haddish plays a major role like dude it like you have to watch that trailer it's so fucking funny but um yeah I'll two movies that out. i'm very excited about coming out next year uh that one comes out the day after my birthday actually oh nice um all right let's move on to south park post covid the return of COVID. Um, so yeah, this is part two of what happened um, a month ago um, where there were at the end of season 21 uh, Viacom had basically made a, an agreement with um, South Park that they were going to do like seven more seasons plus like 20 something fucking specials. It was like a $300 million deal or some shit like that. I could be wrong about that number, but it was an insane amount of money. And um, this was like the fucking, this is the fourth special technically. Because the other two, which we watched and reviewed last week, the week before. I don't remember when we watched it, but. or no, uh, The week of Thanksgiving, I think. Okay. Yeah, right after it came out. Duh. But, um. Yeah, to kind of recap the story, uh, COVID hits South Park. A lot of things go down. But one of the major aspects is the boys kind of fall apart in in their friendship. And so uh, part one basically picks up 40 years in the future. Um, The boys are no longer friends. They have to come back to South Park because Kenny's died. Which (laughs) is a a joke in itself, which I love. Um, But he has left behind clues on how to fix COVID. Or at least that's what people assume. It turns out that he wasn't trying to fix COVID. He was trying to fix their friendship. Um, And he's mad at them for, you know, not fixing it when they were younger. Um, And one of the major things from season or from the part one of when they're adults is they find out that somebody that Kenny was working with somebody really closely when it came to all of this named uh, Victor Chouse. Victor Chaos. When you look at the the name tag at in the insane asylum, it actually says Victor Chaos. Now, if you don't know or don't remember, um, back when Cartman was 
the coon, which I have a cosplay of, oddly enough. Uh, the um, uh, I think all the boys also had superhero. Like uh, Kyle was the kite. Yeah, yeah, they all had superhero identities, but yeah, Butters. There's, there's a whole game Butters, on it. Didn't Butters' uh, alter ego of Professor Chaos come before the coon? Maybe. I think um, it did. Hold on, I'm, I'm going to look that up real quick. But, but yeah, that's why it's Victor Chaos, not Chaos, because it's his alter ego of Professor Chaos. Uh, Stan and Kyle show up at the Insane Asylum to talk to him, and he kind of looks like a used car salesman. That's how like his look looks. But he starts talking to them about like making money and that they can invest in something. And he says that what they can invest in is NFTs, to which the guard immediately rushes in and detains him and kicks them out because that is apparent. Like the whole joke in the in the entire show is that when uh, COVID had first happened, um, Butter's overprotective parents kept him in his room. Yeah, they they grounded him, um, like, even after the stay-at-home order was lifted, they kept him grounded in his room, and they went to the movies one night, and never came home, and he stayed grounded in his room for over 16 years. Yeah, and that's where he learned about <laughs> NFTs and all that kind of stuff, so, but with, with his knowledge of NFTs and getting, and trying to get people to purchase NFTs, he has, um, well, created chaos, uh, and that I, I th- that joke is so fucking good. Like it's so goddamn funny. You know, you take a character that's arguably one of the dumber characters in the show, and then make him all about one of the dumbest things on the planet right now. Um, yeah. Like I don't recommend getting into fucking NFTs. It is a it is a money sink. Uh. But. In that regard, um, uh, the rest of the episode is about, yeah, so <laughs> Professor Chaos showed up in season six, whereas the coon showed up in season 13. <laughs> yeah, I thought Professor Chaos came way earlier. Way earlier, but yeah, so that's that's what I loved about that was his name was Victor Chaos and not um, Butter Staunch or whatever the fuck their last name was. Stotch. Stotch. Um that's right, because it's almost butterscotch. That's right. Uh, but yeah, the rest of the episode is basically about um, Cartman doesn't want to reverse time. So they're trying to figure out how to go back in time. They're trying to figure out how to get Kenny's time machine to work. And they know that they need tinfoil, which is hard to find because of the shipping containers uh, that are still out there. Um <laughs> God and, damn it, I hate the fucking future. Future fucking sucks. Oh my god, that, that fucking joke the entire episode is so good. <laughs> um, but uh yeah, Cartman's entire bit is that he doesn't want to lose his family. He doesn't want to reverse time because he might lose what the future held for him, which was good. And um there's a great joke, a great fucking joke where he's holed up in the church with Scott Malkison and uh he has his family in the attic and he goes up there and he... <laughs> he's like, somebody's here. Just keep quiet. 
Daddy, I'm writing a diary to keep. <laughs> it's such a good joke. I knew that's oh. what you were going to refer to. Oh, it's so funny. Oh, oh my god. Oh god. But yeah, yeah. so uh, um, yeah, essentially, Cartman's trying to sabotage the whole thing because, like, he doesn't want to lose his family. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to possibly and and. What's interesting about his entire plight is that it makes sense. Like, if they change the past, then, oh, the future's also going to be changed. And he doesn't want to lose that. But I think in the same regard, like, how would you know, right? Uh, So, long story short, um, they do figure it out. They get the tinfoil. They go back in time. And they... uh, they use a new strain of Randy's Tegrity. Tegrity Farms weed um, that basically makes people like super apologetic. So everyone starts apologizing and working together and getting rid of COVID. And uh, so Shelly and and um, Shelly doesn't die in the barn and Sharon doesn't uh, kill herself. Sharon doesn't kill herself and uh, Stan becomes like what, what? What was Stan like? Stan was like an airline pilot or something like that. I'm not sure. Maybe he was in the military, or I couldn't something. tell by his outfit. Yeah, but he was successful in whatever he was doing. Um, which also Kyle was very successful in what he was doing. And Kyle and, had a family. He wasn't alone, and he was happy. And and uh, Kenny was still Kenny alive, was and also still wealthy, and still a scientist. Yep. And then they were. <laughs> So they're standing in the uh, uh, Applebee's Denny's Plus Max, and because um, it's the future. Um, future fucking and, sucks, dude. <laughs> and uh, they're talking about Cartman, and there's a great shot where where um, because Butter's parents got high, they did not go to the movies and leave him in his room for 16 years, so he never learned about NFTs. And there's a great joke where <laughs> he's now working at that Applebee's Denny's Max Plus, and. Um, he says to style uh, Kyle and Stan, uh, yeah, I like actually doing a real job for real money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but they look out the window and Cartman is just this like disheveled homeless guy cussing them out on the side of the street. Like he did not win in this future. And I was like, this is fucking perfect. What also makes this perfect is that it fixed the, in a way, fixed the the breakup that they had when they were young. Yeah, yeah, it just kind of sets sets it back to the status quo of them being four best friends. Yeah. So, what future or what what future projects we'll get from South Park? I think it hit a reset button essentially. So we're gonna get a whole new line of content, and I'm very excited to see what what happens next. But. Yeah, because one of the things that resulted out of this is Mr. Garrison has Mr. Hat back. That's right, yeah. Yeah, he um I guess he was still I guess he was still uh uh president at one point regardless. Well, uh, yeah, and because he's no longer president now, because remember in the QAnon special, he came back, and that's when he had Mr. Service. 
Yeah, that yeah, 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 yeah. So and they yeah, transform Mr. Service into Mr. Hat. Yeah, all of that's canon. All of that yep. is still is still canon. What's not canon is essentially the the 40 years after their breakup because they did so that, that that's it. That's the only difference is they didn't break up. Really, if you really break it down like that. But everything that happened in the first and second COVID special happened. So but yeah, dude, I fucking it's so funny like the whole thing is so goddamn funny and i highly recommend it i mean here's the thing is is it's not a lot of content to absorb if you're a fan of south park or were a fan of south park one of my favorite things about south park and how matt and trey write it is and the writers in general is they adapt to the times they adapt to the the way comedy is told nowadays um i do feel like there's a little bit of a like anti cancel culture attitude with everything that jimmy does in the in the episodes like he's Mm -hmm. in the future he's a he's a comedian for a late night show like you know jimmy kimmel or jimmy fallon that's the joke and um but it's jimmy volner he has to tell very pc style jokes and the difference between a lesbian and a christian man absolutely nothing and they deserve the same level of respect which essentially are anti-jokes, which makes me laugh by themselves. Yeah. But that entire bit definitely feels like they're just angry at how comedy is perceived nowadays. And I'm like, that's not how that works. That's not what's happening. Um, because from my perspective, you can still tell those jokes. And for them to kind of be like, well, now you can't is very obnoxious. Um. So that was like the only thing that I was kind of like eh, about the entire, the entire like thing. But the rest of it is fucking hilarious. Um, also, uh, Clyde not getting the vaccine and then going back in time and telling his younger self to never get the vaccine is fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, he's like, is that dad still keep a gun in the safe? Yeah, is dad home right now? No. Don't you ever get vaccinated, you'll get titties on your head. <laughs> that was and so that's funny. when the little cuties showed up. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about the little cuties, and then they showed up, and I'm like, God, it's so funny. That was, uh, by the way... Fuck yeah, I want to join you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, another great running gag throughout both part one and part two is um, there are three things that they want to go back in time and fix. They want to fix that you know we we get over covid they want to fix their friendship or it was or something else worldwide but the third thing that stop, they want to stop space jam 2 from ever happening that was the third thing yeah <laughs> cuz the 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 long the run the running gag through the entire episodes I, I mean i call it one episode but it's the part one and two is that uh covid and uh, space jam 2 was what really caused everything to go to hell so that fucking that joke is so funny. But yeah, um, well, let's wrap this one up and we can move on to the next thing. Uh, I'm going to give the part two an A plus. Uh, it's genuinely one of the most funny things I've watched in a long time. If you're a fan of South or you were a fan of South Park, this might reinvigorate you to get back into it. Because um, I know that I'm going to continue watching it from here on forward because I, I, I fucking I think that South Park is brilliant. Always have always will since I was 14. So 
And if you think that the comedy or the comedy style is still like it was fucking 10 years ago, it's not. It's adapted. It's changed. It's way, way more modern. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I fucking absolutely great, man. Oh, I, I agree. Uh, wonderful, brilliant, uh, hilarious. Kept me laughing the entire time. Misty, the parts that she would walk in on or happen to catch, she was laughing her ass off at things. I, you know, uh, she was working actually when I was watching it, so she didn't pay super close attention. But she would look over and see something happen, and she's like, "Oh, that's some Blade Runner shit." Talking about the whole all the Blade Runner illusions that she really busted out laughing when Clyde went back in time and the Terminator music started playing. Yeah, and he was just yeah. strolling down the street. Uh, you know other, things like that. The other Blade Runner references the um, uh, the, the how the old folks home looks. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what she was talking about when she said. Okay, gotcha. Um, but yeah, uh, absolutely an A plus. It was wonderful. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, parts one and two both were were great. Uh, I wish we knew what the fuck it was people were wearing on their heads. Yeah, they never explain it. It's just a future thing because the future sucks. Future fucking sucks, dude. <laughs> All right. Also, the Alexa bits. I'm sorry, I forgot about those. The oh Alexa yeah, bits are so fucking funny. But oh, absolutely. You have to watch it. You just have to watch it. It's it's worth your time. Uh, all right. The next thing we're gonna talk about is the Hawkeye finale, uh, episode six of uh, of Hawkeye. So, um, again, we're spoiling it. FYI, it's the fucking finale of a of a whole show. I don't know how we couldn't. Um, Especially but, with the return of fucking Kingpin. Which, oh my god, like, so we'll talk about it in the next part, but I'm so fucking happy that both of those actors have come back. Oh, absolutely. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio's fucking Kingpin is terrifying, and I absolutely fucking love it about it. Um, he, uh, you know, if, if you watch the Hawkeye, or not Hawkeye, but if you watch the Daredevil show, that was on Netflix all three seasons, you know how big of a terrifying force Kingpin can be. And this is something I, you know, that might have known from reading the comics and whatnot. Like Kingpin is one of my favorite villains because Kingpin is, he is just a guy that wants to run Manhattan straight the fuck up. And because of that, any hero that exists in Manhattan deals with him. Um, I mean, shit, it's the first thing you do in the, in the fucking Spider-Man PS4 video game. Um, there's a video game of uh, Punisher where you have to take out Kingpin. Is he the final boss? No, he's not. But um, he is a boss, and it was an awesome fucking level. Uh, tons of games where you have to take him out and just, like, fucking love the Kingpin. Absolutely adore the Kingpin as a villain. I I mean, he's obviously a bad guy, so there's that. But, uh, and Vincent D'Onofrio had uh, like did such an excellent job as him in, in Daredevil that the second like we see him in the first scene of this finale, and he, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, did not forget how to play Kingpin. Oh no, it's just like. Oh, let me get this fucking shirt out of the dryer. Oh, it's so warm and comfortable and feels right. 
it's that level of just nailed it. Absolutely. His his inflection that he gives, uh, his mannerisms, his slow manner of speaking, uh, his ruthlessness, uh, his, his, you know, it 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 belies his ferocity. You know, it, yeah. sing, you know, he sounds gentle and almost, uh, and he's not. No. He, oh God. The second that uh, uh, Kate's mom, okay, I can't remember her name. Um, the second Eleanor. That she, Eleanor. The second that she tells uh, Wilson that she's done, that she's not going to work for him anymore, that she's not going to, like, that she's just out. He like loses it in this quiet rage. That quiet rage fucking sends a goddamn chill up my spine every time. That quiet rage is so fucking good for a show. But my God, am I like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, you made Kingpin mad. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> so there was, and then and then Maya does the same thing later where she's just like, I'm out too. And he's like, he's like, oh, he's like ready to fucking rage. But he's like, it's that fucking, again, it's that quiet rage that you're just like, I have to go, like, not... Uh, it, it's just so good. It's so fucking well done. But, uh, um, the whole show is not about Kingpin. It is, and I, and I appreciate this, it's still about Kate and Clint. It's still about Clint's redemption. It's still about his, you know, fixing the things of his past and realizing that what he did during the blip was wrong. It's still about Kate coming to terms with what is to be a superhero. And, but it also wraps up everything that was started in this episode. It wraps up Ronan. It wraps up, uh, Yelena's bit. It, it, you know, it like, there's so much that happens in this episode that I just absolutely fucking loved. And I, I'm so glad that Maya and Elena didn't just take a back seat to Kate and Clint. I'm glad that Yelena and Maya got resolution in a way. I not for Maya per se. She's still got some shit to deal with, which I'm sure we'll see in the show Echo. Oh, absolutely. A friend of mine said, "Do you think that so and so's gone now after being brought back?" And I'm like, "No, no, it's the fucking no, no." And we can say it again. It's it's that we warn spoilers. They they yeah they allude to she when she comes face to face with the kingpin after, you know, ha, he had a fight with Kate one on one, and you know he got hit by a car through a wall, uh, and then she blew him up, you know, and he's staggering down the street. I mean, he is super fucking tough. You know, Maya pulls a gun on him and holds it I to would his argue, face. I would argue that that, like, the shit that Kingpin went through in this episode was more comic book Kingpin than the Daredevil show. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I don't think she shot him. You know, it doesn't. If you're going to kill somebody off, you show their death. 100%. If you want to leave it uh, ambiguous and make people think, oh, did they kill him off? You don't show anything. You just 
you know, he he might have taken. There's a sound. He well, might have taken. Shot, I was there before he before he got hit by by the car. Uh, she shot him in like the chest with a goddamn arrow, and he just and he like just ripped it out. It. He didn't even rip it out. He broke it off. Yeah. Um, but in that regard, like she beats the shit out of him. I mean, he beat the shit out of her too. Um, like it was it was that fight. Like I was like I was like, damn, she stood toe to toe with fucking Kingpin and is living to tell the tale. Hot goddamn. He, um, you know, he ragdolled the shit out of her, but yeah. Punched her in the gut, and then she flew across the room anime style. Like, Kate is not only a fucking extremely tough, but went through that and was like, I'm going to still get up and fucking take care of you. And I'm like, all right, Kate, you're you're officially the fucking, you're officially a superhero. Well done. But I agree. You're, you're not going to have his death off screen. And so I think, like, what likely happened was he uh, he took the shot in his shoulder or something to that effect or or like just moved out of the way slightly and then like hit her hella hard into the wall and stole the car. That's what I'm going to assume happened. But or she just fired the gun straight up in the air and just walked away. You know, that could be it, too. Yeah, that's very possible as well. Regardless, there's no way they're not bringing him back. No, you don't bring back a character of that magnitude and an actor of that quality for one fucking episode. You just yeah. don't. It's not a cameo role. It's also the Kingpin we're talking about. That dude never fucking dies. Jesus Christ. Um, No matter how much shit you throw at him, he's always coming back. He gets arrested, like, all the time, too, and then just walks. Because that was my dad's question, was like, how... How does a character like Kingpin just get to constantly exist in the MCU? And, or well, he asked the comics. And I said, on the comics, he like he does everything so well that he just never gets arrested. Or if he does get arrested, they can't they don't have enough evidence evidence to hold him. So he usually get he usually walks. Not to mention a lot of fucking under the table uh uh dealings with um law enforcement and judges and shit like that. So Kingpin walks all the time because nobody wants to stop him technically. <clears throat> so, or he does, you know, or he does spend jail time, but he's still like, he's a mob boss. So he still is in control of what's happening, even in jail. I could go on and on. I love Kingpin so much, but, uh, but yeah, so um, one of the other things about this episode that was fucking stupid fun was everything with Kate and uh, Yelena. Yeah. Um, hilarious, action-packed. You know, Kate standing toe-to-toe with a with a Black Widow. Like, and then complimenting each other on the moves they did on each other. It's like, yeah. Oh, it was very nice. I liked that. She's like, oh, thanks. Like, the whole elevator thing, you know, it's like, yeah, don't, don't do it. Don't do it, Kate Bishop. <laughs> I know that we're probably not going to get it, but I would absolutely watch an entire series where Kate and Elena are taking care of something. Oh, yeah, I'd watch it all day. But I know we're not going to get it because it's it's very unlikely that Elena will show back up to team up with anybody 
Um, uh, other than maybe the Dark Avengers or or whatever the fuck they're going to be called, the Thunderbolts. Whatever Val's team. And that was another thing. I was really surprised we didn't see Val in the, in the end of the show. I thought we were going to get an after credit scene with her. And then yeah, that. the after credit scene was apparently the whole musical bit that they filmed. Which I appreciate. I genuinely Oh, I knew it. you would love that. <laughs> I was sitting there thinking, yep, Greg was happy as a pig in shit when this aired. 100%. That, my dad's sitting there watching it. He's like, he's like, you really like this stuff? And I'm like, it's hilarious. How is it not hilarious? And he goes, well, that'd be the only reason I watch it is because it's funny. And I'm like, is there another way to watch this? Are you legitimately going, this is really good content. Like, it was just straight up fucking funny. Uh, but um, I'm trying to think of what else happened. Like, like Clint. Well, you, you know, know, they they go to the holiday party, the Christmas Eve party, right? Uh, because they want to confront and take down her mother. And the track suits are converging on them. Uh, Maya's converging on them. Yelena's converging on them. And, you know, all this is at the orders of the kingpin. It's like the Ronan's been flying around in New York City too long. He's going down. Uh, Eleanor Bishop doesn't walk away from me. She's going down. Uh, You know, Clint Barton is going down. Uh, You know, he's just like, this is my city. It's time people were reminded it's my city. Yeah, because one of the first things we see in the show is that he is he's not well appreciated when it comes to the other Avengers. Like, even the musical number kind of cements that for him. He, you know, walking yeah. through Central Central Park, with, not Central Park, but um, Times Square with Kate. And, you know, the, the, that, you know, kid yells. I don't remember yelling Hawkeye, but he yelled something until it turns around and they run to... A um, a Black Widow and Captain America in costume, I think it was. May have been Ant Man. May have been. I, yeah, I'm drawing a blank, but it I wasn't. It, it was. It wasn't a Hawkeye. That's what I remember the most. And you know, he kind of he sheds that and says, in in a way, being a hero isn't about the recognition. It's about doing the right thing. And. Uh, uh, Kate learns that too. Kate understands that by the end of this episode, by doing what she's doing, and it was just really fucking good. Like the whole thing, everyone got an, in a way the resolution that they deserved or the spark that they needed for their own fucking show. Maya, um, we got we got uh, we got more of the Larpers, which I appreciate. Yeah, they were acting as, you know, inside agents, the waiters at this fucking party. And they all had earpieces and they're, you know, like being eyes for Clint. And we got to see Jack be the swordsman. Oh, which was dope. Which was that really was a cool. lot of fun. He was he was so much fun. And he was I you could tell that he genuinely had genuinely had fun doing that role. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I hope we get to see Jack again because not only is that a fun character, but he is a he is a character in the comics. Mm-hmm. So, but you know that's another thing. Speaking of Jack, like 
Kate was completely convinced that that Jack was the the bad guy in this entire story, but it was really her mom. Yeah, he was innocent of everything. He was just he genuinely was a charming guy. Yep. And I uh, love the little interaction he had with the fucking ten year old or whatever age kid. That yeah, was. oh my god. Like, my daddy said I was getting your wine collection. He's like, you remember when you pissed your pants? Everybody does. Everybody. <laughs> well, that's one of my favorite things about Marvel and something I've kind of talked about quite a bit um, about telling superhero stories is, you know, we're dealing with a world where superheroes exist and not just superheroes in the sense of, of superpowers, but like people who have very unique skills that they use, like in this show with Hawkeye. And to take that super serious just isn't as fun. So you have to add that level level uh, that levity with comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why it kind of still surprises me to say that Ragnarok you don't really like that much. I think you should revisit it and give it a second chance. But um, that's why I love Marvel right now. Like it doesn't take itself seriously, but it does at the same time. It can like these writers can raise the fucking stakes, make them insanely high while still making you laugh. while still making you understand you're watching something silly. Just fucking enjoy it. You know? And the show, this episode does that. It raises the stakes. Lives are genuinely at risk. I'm convinced that some of the tracksuit mafia died in this fucking episode. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like having having that badass action sequence between Kate and Yelena while they're still while still being very funny. I could watch this shit forever. Like it is just that fucking fun, that good. You know, like oh, they're having this quick, this this quippy banter back and forth about their fighting styles, and it's hilarious, and you're like, I could continue watching this. Oh, but Yelena jumps out the fucking window to shoot Clint in the fucking face. Like, the dichotomy between the styles is so different, but just, it's like, it's like that weird food combination that you hear about, and then you try it, and you're like, that's that was, like, that's too good. That's like peanut butter dangerous. on a hamburger? Like peanut butter on a hamburger. You have mustard on a potato chip. Um, mustard on potato chips is badass. I'm sure it is. Would have never tried it in my life. Like, really? had I not had I not posted that disgusting Gushers mustard uh, picture. Uh, like, again, to clarify, chewy gummy mustard just sounds gross. That's That's it. Mustard on a potato chip might give a shot, but that's my point. You like Pringles? I do like Pringles. Take you some Pringles, regular Pringles. Take two of them. Put a dot of mustard in between them. Sandwich them together. Try it out. Thank me later. I'll, I'll let you know in the future. Um, do it today. But that's but that's my point. That's what I love about the comedy and Marvel. It like we're going to talk about Spider Man No Way Home next, but same fucking thing. You know, uh, stakes are raised, comedy. Stakes are raised, comedy. I hope that Marvel never stops doing this. I genuinely do. Uh, I think that's why um, Loki works so well as a show is because it was funny. (laughs) Like, outside of like, hey, 
we have this whole time stream thing that's fucking dangerous, but also funny. Oh, just I love it. I love it so goddamn much. And 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 I'm happy that I get to experience this shit. Um but I, I don't know. I don't have anything else to say before final thoughts. So anything you want to add? Um no, it was a lot of fun. Uh really enjoyed it. I thought the payoff was, you know, getting to see Kingpin back in action was the highlight for me. But I I oh the reveal, the watch. Uh, yeah, yeah. We saw that Clint's wife, Laura, was Mockingbird. That was a nice little nod. Yeah. I I didn't catch the initials under the bottom of the shield logo on the back of the watch. And it wasn't until I went on Twitter that somebody was like, that says MB. I'm like, fuck. Of course it does. <laughs> but yeah, like, also they full on now called Pizza Dog Lucky, which I was like, please fucking call him Lucky soon for fuck's sake. Yeah, that was awesome. So, you know, I I, I think Kate Bishop's a great fucking character, and I'm so happy to have her in the MCU. And uh, I can't wait for, you know, where... The show Echo goes next, uh, or where you know when we're going to get that one. Um, I don't know. Let's give our grades because we need to take a small break because I have to go to the bathroom. Uh, Maya, what did you think? Oh uh, well, you know I, I echo your grade. I also give it an A plus. I would give it an A plus just for the kingpin alone. The performance we got from from Vincent D'Onofrio is just oh yeah. It's just phenomenal. Um, but everything else, you know, was also, we got all these great resolutions uh, happening. Uh, we got, you know, the little Mockingbird nod that Clint's wife, Laura, was Mockingbird. You know, we got we got to see him wrap this Ronan issue up and make it home on time for Christmas to be with his family on Christmas Day. Uh, you know, and he took Kate and Lucky the Pizza Dog with him. And, you know, we see her mom get arrested. We see Jack get vindicated. And we we just see all these resolutions happen and great performances from everybody involved. You know, it's a great little show. Uh, six episodes, hour long a piece, you know, or not even an hour, a full hour, you know, about 45 to 50 minutes on average. Um, might be a little bit longer. I can't remember. But if you got six hours of time to kill, give Hawkeye a watch. Uh, you know, it introduces the Kingpin officially into the MCU for Christ's sake. Yeah. Like that's, Which is great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very exciting. Like, I, it, it, like if you're already a fan of Marvel, I don't know how you're not watching it, but. But yeah, um, yeah, I mirror everything you say. I, I, I fucking yeah, big fan. I can't wait. I can't wait to see where it goes next. Yeah, yeah. Uh, MCU. I remember after uh, Endgame, everybody was like, "Well, I'm done with Marvel. There's no reason to watch it anymore." Weird. No. Yeah, that's 
if you've not been watching what they've been doing, you're doing yourself a disservice. You are absolutely doing yourself a disservice, and I am super excited for what what is to come because I don't know about you, but Friday I watched one of the greatest superhero movies I've ever seen in my life. If not the best. So this conversation is going to be interesting. Um, we have we haven't done a review for a show that we've watched in the theaters. I don't think so yet. Um, most of the stuff that we review is straight on streaming services, which all three of the other things were. Uh, but Spider Man No Way Home was a it was a theater exclusive, um, and uh, <sighs> uh, hot damn. Hot damn, was this movie fucking insane. Um, I don't even know where to begin on it. Like, it takes place uh, immediately after Far From Home. Yeah. Like, the opening bit where it shows the Marvel logo is literally the final scene in No Way Home. I'm sorry, Far From Home. Where Mysterio is revealing Spider-Man as Peter Parker. Or Peter Parker as Spider-Man. One of the fucking two. Yeah. Uh, And... It just fucking goes from there. Uh, I'm not sure what else to like say about the beginning. Um, one of one of the funniest things I think was the chaos inside Aunt May's apartment. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, he and MJ are on the street, uh, and J. Jonah Jameson's fucking bombshell. Spider Man is Peter Parker. 17 year old high school high school student and he's like what the fuck and you know snatches her up and they make her way back to his apartment and in the chaos that is going on with reporters uh cameramen following him uh people are like yelling hey spider-man hey peter you know yelling at him as he's you know going home uh, Aunt May is breaking up with Happy, and he's all just just distraught and just in tears. Yeah. And she's like, "Oh, it was a fling. It was fun." He's like, "But, but uh, no, you know, he's all to pieces." And you know, here's this reveal, and then they see it on TV, and he's got all these legal troubles, and all of a sudden, boom! There's Matt fucking Murdoch. Oh my god! <laughs> so. Before we get into that reveal, I had this really strong theory that he was going to show up as legal counsel for Peter Parker. I was like, we just got the reveal of Kingpin and Hawkeye. They've got like, and, and, and Kevin Feige just said that, that Charlie Cox is coming back as Daredevil. Like he said that interview with Amy Pascal. And I was like, they're going to have him in No Way Home as, as Peter's legal counsel. I don't know how, yeah. I don't know when. So the second he shows up, I just immediately in my seat like, I was right! <laughs> oh, dude. I, I have never... So oh, I, I, I was like, woo! Uh, but I have never been in a movie theater before where the entire audience clapped at things. Yeah, well, like, no, Endgame. Endgame was definitely that. No, not even Endgame. I mean, there was cheering and stuff in Endgame, but there was not like widespread applause, like people clapping and wooing. And yeah, 
I've never seen that before. Maybe my end game experience was different because I 100% experienced that with end game. See, this is the first time I've experienced that in a movie theater. I've had people cheer and everything, but I've never had the whole clapping and cheering. And Matt Murdock coming on the screen was one of them. Him catching the brick that gets thrown through the window. And he, he's like, how'd you do that? I'm a very good lawyer. Uh, that was just amazing. So fucking rad. And I was like, boom. No Way Home and Hawkeye have cemented the Netflix shows for me. I, I, so it's I not know confirmed. it's not confirmed. I know, but. What I'm genuinely hoping, Maya, is that because of this reveal in No Way Home that um, like Sony and, Mar- and, and Marvel have this big deal with Spider-Man that since Sony owns Netflix, but it was Netflix and Marvel that did those shows that they just moved to Disney Plus. Because if it's revealed in the next few months that all of those shows are just on Disney Plus now and they're no longer on Netflix, then yeah, they'll be canon. But until that day... Yeah, I know, I know, but to me and to a lot of people, this this cements it. It's like it's just a matter of time before we see other people start popping up, dude. Like, genuinely, fucking hope that we get at least ninety five percent of that cast into the MCU. The Danny Rand, eh, whatever, I don't care. But uh, everyone else, you know. First season of Iron Fist was awful. Finn Jones wasn't a very good actor in that. And the fight scenes really suffered and looked bad. The CGI looked bad. Season two was really good. Season two was much better than season one. I will like I believe we reviewed that and hundred percent agree. Mm-hmm. But uh And he works well with the others. Especially Mike Coulter as Luke Cage. Mike Coulter Luke yeah. Cage needs to fight like that and and um uh I can't remember the actress's name is Jessica Jones. Christian Ritter. Christian Ritter, thank you. Yeah, they need to come back as those characters, like 100%. Yep. But, but um, yeah. Huge, so, huge cameo. Huge. Absolutely mega huge. Probably it was really... one of the... Uh, I mean, as big as Kingpin was in Hawkeye, this was even bigger for me. Yeah, yeah, it was... <laughs> Because, it, again, it, it's like you said, it cemented those two who did phenomenal jobs in their respective shows coming back to play the character, that those characters that we love. The, the fact that we have 100% definitive proof that Matt Murdock is being played by Charlie Cox in the MCU is extremely exciting. Mm-hmm. And I kind of was hoping he showed up in the Hawkeye finale. Um, yeah, that would have been cool, but... But I'm also kind of glad that he didn't because I feel like it would have de- de- um, taken it away from, taken away from Hawkeye. Yeah, it would have. So there's like that catch 22 where I'm like, I can hope, but like also not to completely spoil the end of No Way Home yet because we're still going to spoil it. Just FYI, everybody, just FYI, we're going to spoil all of No Way Home. Um, but it'll have been a whole week by the time this episode comes out that the movie's been out. So what are you doing with your life? Um, I know I want to go see it again. I know I, I gotta, I, I don't have time, but I definitely want to see it again. So when it comes to Disney plus 100%, but, uh, I was kind of hoping to see Spider-Man swing over Rockefeller center. 
in the finale. Just like just to see him swing over it, not him help or whatever. But oh, <clears throat> you get why, and we'll get there. You yeah, totally, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So so happy, kind of like they the, after that brick scene. You know, Happy realizes that May and Pete can't stay in their house in, or their apartment in Queens. So he has to move them to like his own personal little safe house. Which apartment. is on Long Island. Was it? I didn't catch that. Mm-hmm. But it makes, yeah. I mean, if you're paying attention to the a scene later in the movie, yeah. Um, there was that really funny scene where, where <sighs> Pete, Peter is talking to uh, MJ on the phone and. Uh, <laughs> Happy's yeah. still awake. Happy's still awake, and he's laying there with his fucking his BiPAP machine on, and he's like, "She's like, so you guys settled in?" Yeah. He's like, "Happy gave me his room." He's like, "Listen to this, isn't it cute?" And he's like, "You know, Happy's snoring." He's like, "He's snoring. He's over here in the recliner," and they're sitting there talking and everything. He's like, "Hey, you like her? She likes you." Wrap it up. No, no new grounds being broken here. I need some sleep. <laughs> I need my eight hours. <laughs> that was fucking funny. Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, you know, uh, the next part of the movie is essentially that uh, Ned, MJ, and Peter are trying to get an M- MIT, specifically multiple colleges that they keep getting rejected from. But specifically, the last one was MIT, and all three of them get rejected for the reveal of Peter Parker being Spider-Man. And because um, of the controversy surrounding uh, did he murder Mysterio or not, who everybody was viewing as the savior of the world. Uh, yeah. Yes. And, um, you know, you see him try to go to high school, his first day of high school, and he's just mobs of people. And he, his life's in turmoil. And not yeah. only his life, but MJ's and Ned's, his Aunt May's, you know, all their lives are in turmoil. And he, he feels that his reveal of being Spider-Man has ruined the lives of the people he cares most about. And that's exactly. when he goes to Doctor Strange. The, the, um, that whole scene was really funny. Because everyone, you know, in the trailer, we were trying to figure out why the Sanctuary Centaurum was covered in snow. And it was a very simple, like, oh, because one of the doors was left open and a blizzard came in. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was a very, I was like, okay, everyone overthought that one. <laughs> but we do see that Wong is now the Sorcerer Supreme because Strange himself was gone for five years and yep. there had to be a Sorcerer Supreme. So it became Wong. Which, which makes sense for what he was doing in Shang-Chi. Yep. It, it answers that question. We didn't have an answer for that. We were like, why is he working with Abomination? Why is he working with uh, uh, Captain Marvel and, and, and Bruce Banner? Like, what the fuck is happening? And now we understand. We, we un- unequivocally understand that him being Sorcerer Supreme, he has a lot of things on his plate now that he has to take care of. So, uh, fucking cool. Um, but yeah, then Pete asks Doctor Strange to reverse time, uh, which you know Strange is like, the fucking I don't have the stone anymore. I don't have the time stone. I can't do that. And then he remembers a spell, which I don't remember the name of the spell, but, uh, <clears throat> and Wong says, "Don't do that, because that could you know that's dangerous." To which Strange Please. says, "We've we've done it before. 
do you remember the party on blah 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 blah? And Wong is like, no. And he's like, mm. <laughs> he <laughs> exactly. said, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh. You went quiet. You're muted. You must have bumped your microphone. Okay. See if you can fix it. Technical difficulties, folks. This is what happens when you're live. How do I sound now? You're fine. You're fine. Okay. Yeah, I just I nudged it. I can't I can't touch it. That's that fucking sucks. I need a new laptop. Um but yeah, that the spell you see in the trailer is the one that he's, you know, from that conversation. He's like everybody on earth will forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. He's and that's like, a very specific line. You have yeah. to keep that in mind through the whole movie that it's everybody will forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Uh to which Peter keeps changing the parameters of the spell. He wants MJ like, to remember. Then he wants MJ Ned has to remember. To remember. Wants... Ned has to remember. Aunt May has to remember. I don't want to go through that again. That was awkward enough the first time. But Happy has spell, to remember. But as the spell is getting out of control, he says something that's very important. He basically says, I just want everyone that, know, that knew I was uh, Spider-Man before to keep remembering or to, to know that I'm Spider-Man. Because of that wording, as the spell was going chaotic, that's how we get the multiversal villains coming through, like Doc Ock and Green Lan or uh, Green Jesus Christ, Greg. Green Goblin, Green Goblin and Sandman and Electro and Lizard. Uh, but yeah, that's how they come through. And Strange is extremely pissed off at Peter because Peter real. Uh, uh, Tells Strange, like, the reason that I wanted to do this was because MJ and Ned aren't getting into college. I'm not getting into college. <laughs> Steven's like, you mean to tell me that you just fucked up my spell to which now it's corrupted and I have to contain it because you couldn't get into college? And Pete's like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, he goes, you never thought to go and talk to the administration board? And Pete's like, I could do that? <laughs> yeah. Loses his mind, he kicks him out of the sanctum, and uh, Pete goes and calls uh, Flash Thompson, who got into MIT. We saw that earlier in a small scene where he, you know, Flash is being a fucking moron at, per usual. Yeah, um, he's telling everybody, "I'm Spider Man's best friend," and like, "How'd you get into MIT?" He's like, "Cause you know, I don't know Spider Man." <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so he makes a deal with with uh, Flash to give him information about where uh, he can go and talk to somebody who's In part of that administration board. And uh, that's where we get the scene on the bridge with uh, Doc Ock that you have seen in the trailer. Um, and that scene was very interesting because uh, not only was the action sequences fucking amazing, but we also get to see how the nanites work in regards to Stark Tech and the um, tentacles, because one of the big things about the tentacles from the from Spider-Man Two, it's made very clear that uh, um, there's like a connective dot between the nano machines and the tentacles, the, the inhibitor and chip, and the inhibitor chip. So when the when the uh, uh, 
nanobots kind of go onto Doc Ock's tentacles. Almost couldn't think of the word tentacles. Uh, Peter was actually able to connect to them and control them. Yeah. Which was awesome. And uh, just before Green Goblin, um, by the way, I'm, I'm hammering through this. Uh, just before Green Goblin like throws a, a pumpkin bomb and is about to blow up the bridge, uh, Strange teleports Peter and um, Doc Ock into the underpart of the Sanctum. Uh, and in that conversation, which was really funny because Peter was kind of not quite grasping the multiverse stuff. And Dr. Strange just goes, wait, you know, you know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And he was like, yes. And he goes, is that Peter Parker? No. (laughs) And that's because that doesn't, that's not his Peter Parker. His Peter Parker is the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. And, um, as we move forward, it's it's revealed in a way that like Peter now has to to help uh, capture all of the multiversal slip, slips because it's technically his fault. Strange explains to Peter that by fucking up that spell, it has now brought in other villains from other multiverses, which, and as he quotes, we know frightening little about, which is accurate. The multiverse is infinite. Like that's the yeah. point of the multiverse theory. It's literally infinite. Um, it's also revealed he had already captured the lizard in the process of yes, trying to find Peter and yeah, you know. Uh, so he gives Peter this like gauntlet thing on his arm, or he takes it off of him and then puts it back on with the ability to like zap somebody and and put them into a containment field within the underneath the sanctum. And Peter basically says, "I need help from my two friends to do this," and he uh, brings in MJ and Ned. And Ned is a super fucking fan of Doctor Strange and the Sanctum. Yeah. Um, and in the process of like certain scenes leading up to other things, it's kind of hinted at that Ned has some magic in him, that he's able to do magic a little bit, but like he doesn't know that he can. Because Ned and, and Pete have like a handshake and they do it and they touch fingertips and like a little spark happens in the distance. Yeah. So it was little things like that. And it was because, you know, uh, Ned was doing that to Peter when he was wearing a magic gauntlet. Um, um, well, next we see Norman Osborne. He's at the homeless shelter. No? No. We see the scene with um, uh, Electro and Sandman next. Oh, we see that next. That's right. That's right. Uh <clears throat> The only reason I know that is because Norman was the last one to show up at the same time. That's right. That's right. But with after that fight sequence between like Sandman helping Peter, and then when Peter takes off his mask, he like he's like, I don't know you. Like he freaks the fuck out. Uh, and then when he zapped Electro and Electro disappeared, he's like, What'd you do to him? Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Well, there's a small nod to to that. I think a lot of people kind of missed it, but giving Electro the lineman worker outfit is actually a strong nod to hit to Max Dillon's character in the comic. Because that's how Electro became Electro in the comic. He was a line worker for the Electro Company, got hit by lightning while working on a electrical line and given those powers. Oh, cool. So that little him wearing that outfit for like a good chunk of the movie. 
100% a nod to his combo character. Uh, and again, I think a lot of people miss that because not a lot of people know Electro's origin. Um, well, it was also told back in the 60s, you know, and not being retold in some time. True. Uh, side note, small side note that I think is a hilarious thing in the comics. So back in those days of the comics, um, Peter didn't know that Daredevil was blind, right? Yeah. So there was a whole comic where uh, Peter and Daredevil take out Elektra. After they have Elektra webbed and on the ground and tied up, uh, Electro starts laughing and Peter's like, what are you laughing about? And Electro says, you don't even know the truth about your, your red friend there. Do you uh, not red friend? He goes, you're, you're uh, I think your partner is what he said. And Peter's like, what, who he is. And he goes, he's blind. Peter's like, he's not blind. And uh, Matt's just kind of like, ah, ha, ha, ha. And Peter goes, uh, how do you know he's blind? Like, where are you coming up with that nonsense? And he goes, hey, uh, hey, Daredevil, what color is my suit? <laughs> Daredevil's like, what? And he goes, and Peter's like, he's not, why does it matter what color your suit is? He's like, hold on, what color is my suit? And Daredevil's like, uh, <laughs> like he doesn't answer. And uh, Pete's like, holy shit, you're actually blind? <laughs> it's super fucking funny, but, um, but yeah, so that's that's that. But uh, uh, da, 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 da. yeah, so um, yeah. After the Electro and Sandman bit, we get uh, like Peter's called by um, M or by by Aunt May and says, "I think one of your friends is here," and that's because we get to see Green Goblin. Like, it's still the Green Goblin from the first Spider-Man movie in two thousand two. Like he was, he was brought to our universe toward the end of that movie. Don't know when exactly, but he, it's clear because he, he has the two voices. He has the Green yep. Goblin voice in his head and then there's still Norman fighting it. Um, he even punches the mask and breaks it. Um, but he goes to feast and he meets up with Aunt May and uh, Peter talks to him and he tells Peter, like, I went to... I think he tells his anime too. He's like, I went to, you know, where my building was supposed to be and it's not there. My son doesn't exist. Like he knows There's he's no in law's core. There's no business. My son's gone. Yeah. 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 So Aunt May tells Peter, I think your friend's insane. And he's like, no, it's a whole different thing. And I'll tell you later. Um, They go back to sanct the, to the sanctum. And as they're kind of having this conversation and talking about science and what they can do to fix the, to fix that problem, uh, Doctor Strange comes in and just zaps Norman into a fucking uh, containment field room, like a little, you know, whatever you want to call that. Um, it's basically to, a prison cell. Basically, yeah, magical prison cell. And uh, he brings up the uh, Machina Dick 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 or something. The Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> the MacGuffin. It's the hundred percent the MacGuffin. Well, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but I know that it, in Italian, it literally translates to um, uh, "machine of return" or something like that. So there's that. Like somebody translated it from Italian, or not Italian, but uh, Latin. Um, Italian. Shut up, Greg. Jesus. Uh, but yeah, this this device, this cube, is meant to send everyone God back. From the but, machine. But the problem is, is right fucking before all this, 
they have the the villains and Peter have this really cool conversation about what they were doing before they were transferred to the MCU universe. And uh, it's, it's basically revealed that their fate is to die fighting Spider-Man that all five of them are destined to die. And he doesn't want that. He doesn't want them to die. He doesn't feel that that's right. So he wants to try to help them. And strange comes in and is like, don't care. That's not how this works. Go fuck yourself, Peter. Like we're going to, we, we have to send them back straight up because the multiverse is a lot more dangerous than you think to then, which we get this really cool fucking fight sequence between Dr. Strange and Spider-Man over that cube and the mirror verse. Yeah. We get the mirror dimension. We get, uh, him, him using portals to fucking fuck around with Peter and like make him flip his own leg is awesome. But we also get confirmation that the, that the spider sense is a thing on its own. Uh, strange, like basically fist pushes Pete's soul out of his body. And as he's trying to grab the cube, the butt like Pete's incorporeal body is just doing this with the fucking cube, like away from strange. Uh, and at least I think that's, that's the Peter tingle as they call it in MCU. Yeah. But, uh, I could be wrong, but it's the only thing that makes sense. No, no, I agree. He's like, how are you doing this? He's like, I don't know. Yeah. So then he swims back into his body and then, and then that's when the mirror dimension part comes in and Pete being like the hyper genius that he is, he recognizes that the mirror dimension is just geometry. He's like, and, I'm great at geometry. <laughs> <laughs> So he he uh, webs up Strange and takes the cube and goes back into the regular universe. And he the knows that Strange that... trapped in the mirror universe. And when he does it, he also takes his ring. Which was funny because as he does that, he takes it off of him and Strange just goes, ow! <laughs> Which I fucking, I love that. Um, but yeah, they, you know, Pete's entire goal for the next 30 minutes of the movie is to help these villains, you know, before sending them back to their respective universes. He wants to make sure that they're essentially cured of what, the, what is the problem right now. And, uh, um, this is something that I absolutely loved about it. This is, this is core Peter Parker, um, helping others versus just beating them in the head and trying to get them to go to jail is not, 100% what Peter Parker does. He, uh, from my understanding of the character through the comic book and through various other media in regards to Pete, he, he wants to help first and foremost. Yeah. He's always tried to help a villain reform or cure them of their condition. First and foremost, he's always tried to put their well being before his own. Yes. Yes, and that's and that really is cemented with this next few scenes in the, in the movie because, you know, Pete works with like there's a great line by the way uh, before all of this where um, he he's talking about using science and technology to cure all of them and Norman says you know I'm something of a scientist myself which I was like oh that's so good yeah it's great so callback to the first Spider-Man movie. Also, Which each slight... of them had each of them had some lines that were called back to their respective movies. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Which I want to point something small out real quick that 
I love that from the Raimi trilogy they use Sandman and not um, Harry Green Goblin or Venom. You know, in the original trailer we saw for No Way Home, there was a shot of the Harry Goblin, or else it was the Dane DeHaan Goblin. Uh, but it was. I don't very think it was quick. either one. I don't think it, it was. It looked. It one. looked like them. It looked like them, but yeah, it's hard to say. It could have been a shot of Norman later. I think it was a shot of Norman later, but they didn't have the CGI 100%, and they were just kind of nailing it as best they could based on like um, pre-production st- uh, uh, images. Genuinely, like, because that's the thing. A lot of a lot of these movies, especially when it comes to costumes, go through um, a lot of uh, what do you call that? It's like drawings and sketches and stuff like that to try to get the feel right. And I think that was definitely what mm-hmm. was up with, with Norman's character because like, it's very clear that he loses a chunk of his identity in regards to being the Green Goblin. And I think that um, what we saw in those trailers was uh, like, it looked like the Dane DeHaan uh, Green Goblin but it wasn't. It was just like, can we make the design kind of look like that? You know. Gotcha. And that's that's my theory because I again I don't think that they ever had a different Green Goblin other than Norman. Yeah. But I the reason that I also say that I'm glad that they used, um, uh, Sandman and Sandman. not the other two is because the original story that Raimi wanted to tell didn't really involve Harry becoming Green Goblin. It didn't involve uh, uh, Eddie Eddie Brock and Venom. Um, That was all added because Sony wanted that. And like, if you ever, there's a documentary on, on like, or not a documentary, but like a whole thing on why Spider-Man three is such a bad movie. And it's a lot of that. It's a lot of meddling from Sony. So Um, yeah. That's why I'm glad they just use Sandman. I feel like that's a. It's well, a he was he was a, he was the best part of Spider-Man Three. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Um, like no disagreement here at all. But that's that's again that's why I'm glad they use Sandman and nobody else. Uh, so yeah, the next montage we see here, if you want to call it a montage, the next like long sequences is Pete and Harry's apartment or Harry uh, Happy's apartment, coming up with ways to cure everybody, and he he ends up finding a way to fix Norman's craziness. Not Norman, I'm sorry, uh, Otto. Otto's craziness. You know, the inhibitor chip breaks and it spews us to his spine and makes him crazy. He listen, he's listening to the fucking tentacles. This little device fixes that. And Oct- Ot- uh, Octavius becomes sane again, normal. To which he then puts a thing on Max's chest to uh, basically absorb the electricity. Um... And and Max doesn't like it. Max is very unlike. He's just like, no, nah, this was wrong. Lizard is in a fucking truck <laughs> outside the building in a, in a feast truck, just kind of chilling. And um, uh, suddenly, in this moment, uh, the uh, Peter Spider sense goes off, and it is. He, it's it's he can't ignore it. Like it is, it's loud and long, but he can't quite figure out where it's coming from. And it's not until he realizes what's going on that he realizes it's fucking, it's Goblin. Uh, It's Norman that he has to 
look out for him. It flips him to the little robot, little robot that uh, Iron Man had. Dummy. Uh, dummy. That's right. Thank you. I was trying to remember his fucking name. And uh, he uh, he has an all-out brawl with the, the villains. Yeah, Max rips the thing off his chest. Um, Otto basically runs away. <laughs> and uh, the uh, Dio, what they call the it's the, it's the damage control group from that we see in uh, uh, Homecoming. The DOCA? Oh, I don't remember exactly the DO, what they're... DOCO? Department I, of Damage Control. So, anyway. DODC. DODC. DODC, that's right. Thank you. Jesus. Yeah, so it's, it's the DODC, and they're... Um, they are... Uh, Uh, they're there and, and like they show up at the at the the complex where everything's going down and the lizard breaks out of the fucking feast truck and starts climbing up the side of the building while Peter's being fucking body slammed through table through walls and shit by a green goblin. Auto Octavius takes off. Max fucking takes off. Uh, Sandman I believe also takes off after punching Peter once or some shit. Um. Uh and. And Green Goblin, like I said, just fucking is just annihilating Pete all the way to the ground floor. Before all of this happened, you see Aunt May take a a needle with um I don't want to say a potion. It's a hypodermic full of a cure. A cure for Green Goblin, yeah. And uh, so there's this scene where Green Goblin is just choking Peter on the ground floor of of this building, and Aunt May runs up and stabs him. And he laughs because he's like, you think I'd actually give you the cure to my, you know, to what, you know, my problem or whatever. And uh, the glider comes in and, and hits Aunt May really fucking hard. And then he jumps on the glider and he basically tells Peter that that's the problem with with Peter Parker is that his his empathy and desire to do what's right are wrong. Um, and. uh he goes to throw a pumpkin bomb at Aunt May, which Peter deflects and gets the full force of it. And he gets up, beaten the shit out of, and uh, Aunt May gets up, and Aunt May, you know, he's just like, I'm sorry, this is all my fault. Strange was right. We should have just sent them back. To which Aunt May was like, no, absolutely not. That's not who Peter Parker is. That's not what you, that's not what we do. You know, we do what's right regardless of our own well-being because with great responsibility must also come sorry oh. with great power must also come great responsibility there you go <clears throat> uh which is actually a direct quote from the the comic book that aunt may gives him um because the line that uncle ben gives in the in the first movie is a it doesn't come from uncle ben it comes from aunt may in the comic and b it's not the same quote but the one they gave in this movie is exactly the quote from the comic book Thank you, Internet, for pointing that out to me because I wouldn't have known that otherwise. Uh, and then Aunt May collapses, and that's when there wasn't a dry ice in the or dry eye in the house. <laughs> yep, the she died. I cried like a bitch. Uh, yeah, I think everybody did. I was sitting next to my buddy Andy, and he just tosses me a napkin. <laughs> He's like, "Here," I'm like, "Thank you." But yeah, it was rough, and. 
So after that, we we get MJ and Ned inside Ned's house with his grandmother, who was hilarious, by the way. Um, oh, absolutely. And he, uh, he, they don't know where to find Peter. They see on the news what happened at Happy's uh, apartment. Happy you know, was also arrested, by the way. And uh, um, you know, Ned is Ned. Ned's you know trying to figure out where they can find Peter and. So uh, MJ remembers how like strange kind of used that ring device that Peter got well, off his finger. That's when Ned's saying, you know, I wish we could just find him. And he's making crazy motions with his hands and a portal started to open. She's like, what'd you just do? That's right. Yeah. 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 Cause I was like, cause I was like, I remember that they, they realized very quickly that that's how the fucking thing worked. But um, so yeah, they, they go, you know, Ned's like, you know, I want to, He's holding it like find this. Peter Parker. Yeah, find Peter Parker. Or no, it's it's this. That's right. It's this. You know, find Peter Parker, and, uh, and he opens up a portal, and you see uh, a figure in an alleyway, and they start yelling, "Peter, Peter!" And as they yeah. do, a Spider-Man sprints at them and jumps through. They take off the mask, and Andrew Garfield, Andrew Garfield. and theater erupts with applause. Oh yeah. See, that's the thing. That those like him coming through that portal and Matt Murdock had the exact same reaction of like when uh for me, like because again crowded theater, but it was the same reaction of when uh uh Captain America picks up Molnir, right? Or yeah. um uh you know Captain Captain Marvel comes in through the fucking atmosphere or something to that effect, like or or when the fucking or you hear on your on left your left. Yeah, yeah I love how you were saying that as I was saying that. Exactly. Like, this, that fuck, him coming through the portal had the exact same eruption of cheers and and applause that Andrew Gar- like, it was the exact same for me, but um, I love how she's like, prove your Spider-Man. He's like, <laughs> just, he's like, and he jumps up and he's hanging from his fingertips. She's like, that's not enough. He's like, well, of course this is enough. This is totally enough. She's like, no, it's not enough crawl around he's like i'm not gonna crawl around and then Ned's grandma's like can you get the cobweb he's like okay sure and he crawls over and gets the cobweb (laughs) (laughs) yeah no that was that was uh fucking hilarious and then they try to find him again and they open up another another portal and in steps toby mcguire (laughs) toby fucking and again another fucking eruption of cheers and and, and it was really great because the the Toby and Andrew see each other and they fucking do the exact same move to one another. Like they flip in, in the yeah. mirrored, in a mirrored version and thwip each other or go to thwip each other. And then and Ned's grandma's like, you clean that shit off. That shit was amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, it was really fucking cool because, you know, Andrew and Toby just slipped right back into their respective Peters. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like docking. For, for the listeners at home uh, that aren't watching this this on YouTube, um, I just gave Maya a dirty look. Oh God! How could uh, I not? How could I not make that joke? How you would have made that same joke? I know it's funny. I just wasn't expecting because I'm thinking about fucking multiple spiders. Uh, but yeah, so through conversation, hilarious conversation. Uh, fucking everyone, you know, with having just cried over Aunt May's death and is like this emotional roller coaster, you know, um, it's basically revealed that they need to find where Pete is. And 
Toby says that my spot was always the Chrysler building. Was it Chrysler building? Yeah, it was mm-hmm. Chrysler building. And um, Andrew's uh, like, Andrew uh, says Empire State. Better view is what he said. And I was like, that's fucking funny. Um, to which they realized that their Pete's location would be the top of the high school. And there's a great shot where he's like, he's sitting on, he's just in, he's just disheveled. Like he's just un, un, uh, he's, um, he's emotionally destroyed, inconsolable. Yeah. And, uh, MJ and Ned show up and they hug him and he's, he's crying and, and you're just really sad. And then, and then the two Peters drop down and they go to talk to Pete and it gets emotional again where, you know, Toby essentially says that he knows what he's going through. And he's like, don't tell me, you know what I'm going through. To which Andrew, or, uh, Andrew says, uh, um, I, I don't know what you're going through, but um, I can tell you what I went through. And he tells the story of when he lost Gwen Stacy, which again mirrored the comics quite quite closely. Uh, and then Toby tells how he, Uncle Ben died in his arms. Because and he wanted they... revenge. He wanted to kill. And then they all say the great power with great power comes great responsibility. And that's when Pete realizes that. Yeah. Oh, that moment. If you did, there was another, like another part right there where there wasn't a dry fucking eye in the house. Um, Like if you weren't tearing up at that scene, are you human? Are you a person? That shit was sad as fuck. Uh, But, then we get probably one of the coolest moments in the movie, and that's when they science the shit out of it. They science the fucking shit out of it, and I loved. It. Oh my god, did I love it! I was I was so happy with that part. But what it made it even funnier was the f- <laughs> the webbing conversation. Because yes, we, we all said like if if it is that that these two Spider Man are in this movie, they have to have a conversation about how Toby Spider Man has organic webbing. Yeah. Uh, but what made it even funnier was like, like Tom Holland was like, okay, that's weird, but uh, whatever. And kind of moves on. But Andrew Garfield, <laughs> he was grossed out by it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, does it come out of everywhere? Yeah. <laughs> what? No. Come on. Oh <laughs> so fucking funny. Um, I loved how they were just immediately like brothers. Yeah, yeah. It was it was great. Oh my god, it was so fucking good. It was so amazing. Um, and then now how they're trying to come up, you know, a, a call system. You know, I'm Peter One, you're Peter Two, and then Garfield's like, okay, I'm Peter Three. <laughs> and this was only sparked because Ned was like Peter, and they all went, yeah. <laughs> they were trying. He's like, no, 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 my my Peter. Um, that shit was fucking funny. Uh. But yeah, like like they basically come up with ways to cure all the other villains that slip through um with with their their science ability, with their with their knowledge and knowledge of their own villains and and then the technology of that universe. Uh because, you know, that's one of the big things to keep in mind about this universe is um uh it's not only like in the distant future from their respect. Cause that was the other thing they did. They, they made sure to age up the Peter based in that regard. So all the villains came through right before they were about to die. But these two Peters 
aged. They got older. Yeah. And the last time we saw uh, Toby was in 2007. And the last time we saw Andrew Garfield was 2012. So take those years. And that's when we're seeing this Peter, which I thought was really fucking cool. You know, they had long conversations about like what fucking they each went through in regards to the trauma that they experienced from their respective stories. And I, I fucking love that. It was so clever. So to further that in regards to their science, I was like, this is awesome. Um, but then they basically try to figure out where they need to go. And they decide the Statue of Liberty is a great location to have this battle. It's away from the middle of the city. And, um, you know, yeah, yeah, a giant monument might be destroyed, but, you know, them's the breaks. Uh, so uh, Peter contacts the Daily Bugle. And he says, uh, basically tells like the villains like where they're where they're going to be at. And um, one of the things I really liked about the Statue of Liberty in this scene was that it was um, they were building a a giant. They were constructing uh, a giant Captain America shield to replace the torch. I think, yeah, that's what I was trying to think. I was trying to say, my brain was like, Mm-mm, not today. Uh, and what I really liked about that was it kind of showed how this universe is idolizing Captain America, you know? How we, as comic book readers, kind of idolize Captain America. Um, and I, I really I, I just, I really enjoyed that. But uh, Peter contacts the Daily Beagle and says, hey, villains, this is where I am, like, more or less. And uh, there are before the action sequence of them trying to cure all of the villains, there's a great, a great little line um, with, uh, or a great conversation between all of them. Um, Andrew and uh, Toby are talking and there's that, like, there's that whole line about, you know, (laughs) Andrew looks at, uh, or not Andrew, but Toby looks at Andrew and is like, you know, dude, you're amazing. You're amazing. And I was just like, that's fucking funny by itself. Uh, they talk yeah. about like, like Toby has a back problem. And so they crack it like to, uh, uh, Andrew pa- uh, cracks his back and uh, just, yeah. and, then, and then just like, then Pete, like our, our uh, Tom, I have to do it that way because otherwise I don't know how I'm getting through this. Uh, but Tom like lands above them and, and they're talking about the organic webbing because um, Andrew's still confused by that. Right. And he's like, I've been meaning to ask you about that. Like, how does that work? And and Toby's like, I don't know, like, same way that you breathe? <laughs> uh, uh, but that whole fucking conversation was like, I could watch another hour of that, genuinely. Like, these three Spider-Men talking to one another and trying to figure this shit out and, like, the differences between the universes. I'm like, that's so fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, it was great. But they go to fight. They go to fight the villains. And they kind of get their asses kicked because they're not coordinated. And they they also can't this is where <laughs> this is where they, they're trying to figure out how to communicate to one another. And this another little Easter egg that I thought was so fucking funny was that um Andrew's Spider-Man didn't ever get a third movie. So when uh <laughs> when Tom's like, I'm Spider-Man one. You're Spider-Man 2 and looks at uh, uh, Toby and then Andrew goes, and I'm Spider-Man 3. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, oh, dude, I was laughing so hard at that. But 
Uh, that action sequence, dude, of them yeah. taking out each one was so fucking cool. But I love that how they were like, you know, regrouping, and they're like, "Why are we getting our asses kicked? Because we don't know how to work as a team. We've never been part of a team." And Tom's like, "I've been part of a team. I was an adventure." Right, yeah. Toby's like, "Oh, congratulations! That's awesome. What is that?" <laughs> <laughs> Is that a band? Are you in a band? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. god. So it, fucking just, funny. Yeah, it was great. Oh. But uh but yeah, like Otto shows up at one point and helps them fucking cure Max and they actually cure everybody and Strange comes through a, a portal after the getting out of the mirror dimension and he grabs the box from Ned and uh takes the ring back and uh and Ned and MJ are like, stop, 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 wait. Like, don't press the button yet. Peter's doing it. He actually is curing them. To which uh, um, Strange is like, well, I'll be damned. That's insane. Uh, what about the whole MJ falling Peter misses oh, her? Yeah, that was. Toby misses her. And Andrew gets her and saves her. And that was like his moment of redemption. He's like, he, like I did he, it. He's he's tearing up and kind of getting a little cry. And I'm like, oh, my heart. Yeah. Yeah, that was emotional as fuck. Uh, there's a few moments that are just like really fucking good. And, and I, oh, dude, like, again, it's another reason I want to go back and watch it. But one of the big things is that during their fight, the, the shield falls. And yeah after everyone is essentially healed from their whatever you want to call it, um, the Green Goblin comes in and starts to fuck with Tom Holland's Spider-Man. You know, trying to get him to believe that he has, that he's wrong. And Pete beats the fuck out of him. Like He's literally about to kill him. He's yeah, beating he, him so hard, he is about to kill him. And he picks up the glider and is about to stab him, but Toby comes in and is like, that's not who we are. Like, stops him. And then doesn't say a word. But that's when uh, Andrew uh, throws the fucking the syringe to heal him. Or to cure him. And he stabs him in the neck with it. Uh, and, um, yeah, that was, uh, you know, that was it with that regard. Like, he's like, what have I done? He stabs Toby in the back, by the way. Like, Yeah, Goblin does. does. Yeah, right before Tom stabs him in the neck, he stabs uh, Toby in the back, and and Toby's laying there, and uh, they kind of they go over uh, Toby's over his body, and he's like, they're like, "Are you okay?" And he's like, "Yeah, I've been stabbed before. I'll be fine." <laughs> and Peter like flies up to not flies up, but he's, he he webs all the way up to the top of the Statue of Liberty, where Doctor Strange is trying to contain the spell that um essentially goblin released um because he blew up the 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 cube with the corrupted spell and it's like it it literally ripped holes in reality yeah and you see silhouettes of villains getting ready to come through i mean you actually see rhino about to break through uh one of them i'm convinced is fucking craven yeah um, but it was awesome. Like it was like he was trying to contain, but he's like, I can't stop them. Like he was trying to contain the spell again, but he couldn't do it. And Pete realized that the only way to fix this is to 
basically finished the spell, but worse. Like it had to be a stronger spell than what was originally happening. And that was that everyone's going to forget Peter Parker, plain and simple, not forget that Peter is Spider-Man, but just forget Peter Parker, everyone. And strange is like, all right, I'll do it. It's nice knowing you. And Pete goes down and he says bye to the other Peters. And there's a great line before Peter goes and says goodbye to Ned and MJ, where <laughs> Andrew goes, are you, you're in a lot of pain, aren't you? And he's like, yep. Oh, yep. Um, and there was a moment that I feel like was a little improvised where he start where Tom starts to walk away, turns around and gives him a big old fucking hug. And I was like, that was 100% like Tom's fucking idea. He was like, I got to give them a hug. I got to make it like, thank you for setting the stage for me. Kind of like attitude towards it. And I'm like, yeah, had had to be what that hug was hundred percent Tom's idea. It feels like it anyway, but I could be, I could be wrong, but he has a very emotional goodbye to MJ and Ned. And it was very fucking emotional. Like, again, another very, like, I'm going to cry in the fucking theater scene. Yeah. And then he, he tells them, he's like, you're going to forget me. And they're like, what? No, no. He's like, you're going to forget me. And she's like, promise me you'll find me again and make me remember. Yeah. And he's like, okay, I promise. And um, then they have they have their kiss and she says i love you and he's like i and she stops and she's like tell me when you find me yeah which <clears throat> oh heartbreaking um the spell gets released and uh we jump forward three months um and uh there's this you know peter it's it's now snowing in new york and peter walks up to a uh uh, coffee coffee shop. shop. It's the same coffee shop that that MJ works at in the beginning of the show or movie, I should say. And uh, uh, Ned comes in, and he like she she starts to wave at somebody, and he thinks it's him for like a second, and it wasn't. It was it was Ned. She Ned was walking in behind him, and uh, uh, he realizes that you know she doesn't remember who I am, and there's a very emotional scene where he's like he's saying quotes and phrases that she would have said in a, in a, in a certain way or knowing certain things about her, which she's very curious about. She's even wearing the broken black Dahlia necklace that he gave her in far from home. Uh, which it feels like that there would be a part of her that still remembers him, but we don't ever get that. We, we get her just like, all right, bye weirdo, which makes sense. And it's heartbreaking. He, and Ned doesn't even acknowledge his existence. You know, that, yeah. that was rough. Um, and then, then, then after that scene, it shows him going to Aunt May's grave and Happy walks up and Happy, you know, the question that Happy asks, like I, another heartbreaking moment where he's just like, so how'd you know her? It's like, oh my God. Fucking he's like rough. through Spider-Man. He said me too. Yeah. And I was like, oh, like it just sucks. Like Peter had to sacrifice everything to save the world he had to make all arguably the ultimate sacrifice where peter parker essentially dies um and he knows like in in a way that everyone like he can't really tell everyone or anyone that he's spider-man or that he's peter parker or whatever because he knows that that's dangerous he knows what that brought he saw the the danger that he put everyone in as he was Peter Parker for the last few years. 
and uh, he doesn't want his close the, the the people he cares about the most to experience what Aunt, what Aunt May went through, which is why he just walks away from everybody, and he you know gets a shitty apartment in Queens, the same kind of shitty apartment we've always known Pete to have. A part of me wished that fucking the original landlord from Spider-Man two was in it. (laughs) (laughs) I I would have loved to have seen that, but you know, yeah, well maybe, maybe in the future, because we did get confirmation that there are three more MCU Spider-Man movies in the works. Um, and, uh, and he's got a new costume. Yeah. Uh, He's got his own very classic, beautiful looking costume. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he swings over Rockefeller Center over the giant Christmas tree and and the movie goes to credits. It goes to cinematic credits because we get a mid-credit scene. Now, we're going to spoil the special scene in uh, Let There Be Carnage, the the last latest Venom movie. Uh, because honestly, the last shot is not tied to the major plot of Let There Be Carnage, just FYI. But in the last shot... Venom is explaining to Eddie Brock that him being a Venom symbiote or just a symbiote in general, that they have knowledge of multiple universes and that uh, that kind of knowledge would fry Eddie's little tiny human brain, as he puts it. Um, Just at that moment, everything kind of wigs the fuck out and he walks over to a TV screen to which he sees the Daily Bugle talking about Spider-Man being Peter Parker. Uh, Peter Parker. So that was the last shot of that. So and, the and, unique... and that's when Venom goes, oh, this one looks tasty. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Look at the screen. Uh, so um, this ties into the mid credit scene for this movie. A lot of people who hadn't seen Let There Be Carnage was very confused by this, but, you know, whatever. Uh, but yeah, Eddie Brock is sitting at a Tijuana fucking uh, bar. And the guy from Ted Lasso, I know you haven't watched Ted Lasso, but there's a guy named, um, I can't think of his name, but he's he's hilarious because he's a Brazilian uh, trade, I guess you should say. So, and his phrase is, football is life, but it's the same actor. So, a lot of people who watch Ted Lasso have said that to me, like, it's that guy. Um, but that guy is ex- essentially explaining to Eddie and Venom, in a way, that this this universe is full of superheroes, and he's trying to wrap his head around it and just as like he's about to pay the bill he stands up and disappears much like everyone else did when the spell was completed to make everyone forget peter parker and um he disappears and the uh bartender is like uh, mad he's like he i don't remember what he what he says but he's like and of course he didn't pay or something along those lines yeah something along those lines yeah and uh as it, as it zooms in, it zooms in on the uh, the the top of the bar to which a little group of, of symbiote was left behind. Which I've seen Spider-Man get the, Veni- the Venom suit or the black suit in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. Never have I seen it done this way. <laughs> Not one time. Oh, uh, just, just a little bit of goop? Uh, from a multiversal Venom. Oh, from a multiversal. Okay. So that's new. But uh yeah, so that's that's gonna lead into our you know, arguably the Venom symbiote coming to the MCU and Pete getting the um 
the black suit and venom being introduced as a, as a whole so that's that's fucking exciting as shit uh and then and then uh you know everyone stayed in the theater because you don't leave a fucking marvel movie until the credits are completely over uh but it wasn't a it wasn't, it wasn't a, a scene uh, it was a trailer it was a full on trailer which is out now by the way it just released today of recording like you can watch the trailer outside of going to see Spider-Man No Way Home uh but it's a trailer for the multiverse of madness where we get to see a conversation between Strange and uh, Wanda. Wanda. Um, we also get glimpses at America Chavez, which I'm so glad that she's you know being introduced in the MCU. She's a rad character. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a glimpse of a giant tentacle monster that I thought was Shimagorath, but people are saying it's not. We'll see. It looks like Shimagorath. Um, but uh, but yeah, like go watch that trailer. If you haven't seen No Way Home and you've made it to this far into the fucking podcast, what are you doing? Um, but uh, but yeah, that's that's it and that's all. Like, and 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 that's the thing. I think if I'm not mistaken, we're not getting anything Marvel until Multiverse Doctor Strange. Yeah. And I think they pushed that back to May, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. So for five months, we're not getting anything Marvel, which after this year is going to kill me. <laughs> well, that's okay. Uh, this, uh, this movie had so much payoff that I never knew that I needed. So here's my, here's my thing. A lot of people are saying that this movie is better than Into the Spider-Verse. Right. And I get why. I totally understand why. But I'm going to make an argument. I don't necessarily agree. Uh, I think this movie is very good. It is fantastic. It's satisfying. Wonderful. I still prefer Into the Spider-Verse for arguably one thing over No Way Home animation okay that's fair uh um, you're not the first person that said that fair enough i i understand that because i yeah that that to me like both movies are so incredible that trying to fix fic trying to figure out which one is the best one is like which do i like best this orange or this orange it's like you're you know it's 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 just too difficult like they're both 10 out of 10s a pluses whatever you want to fuck out by the way that's my score for this movie is a plus but it's like mine too i in a way love the spider-verse fucking love the spider-verse if you haven't read the spider-verse comics i highly recommend them i hope in a way like this event of no way home brings the the inheritors to the mcu but i doubt it um uh, maybe we'll get the inheritors in, in across the spider verse. Who knows? But um, essentially, the inheritors are guys that literally eat spiders because uh, it gives them like more power to be multiversal and whatnot. It's insane. Uh, yeah, Spider Verse and Spider Geddon are the two comics that I would recommend. But anyway, I digress. Uh, I wanted more spiders in this movie. Like, if I had a nitpicky problem with this movie, it's that. 
It's that it's just Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. And I get why. I get the reason behind it. But most people don't read the comics like I do. Most people's um, entire... Their entire familiarity and fandom is based on the cinematic movies we've been given and nothing else. Right. But even in that regard, like we could have gotten Miles, we could have gotten fucking Spider-Ham, we could have gotten something like that because, you know, it's it's all Sony property. I don't see why not. Could have gotten Nick Hammond, the original Peter Parker from the 70s live action show and movies. Could have gotten fucking Japanese Spider-Man with Leo Paradon. Again, it's a nitpick. It's not a like a legit complaint. It's just something that I would have liked to see. It was something that I think would have made this movie just that much better, personally. But when it like I'm a big fan of animation. So when it comes to uh styles of animation and uh things in that regard, like you're always gonna get me over live action you're always going to get me to be excited for that. And I think that's the literal only thing that makes Spider-Verse more entertaining to me than No Way Home. Genuinely. Hmm. Like, if you gave me the choice to watch both, it'd be a tough choice, but I'd go with Spider-Verse. I would. I mean, I would watch both. I said you only have time to watch one. I'm going to watch... Yeah, I, I I get that. If you could only watch one, well, since I've seen End of the Spider Verse several times, and I've only seen No Way Home once so far, <laughs> I'm going to choose No Way Home. But but for me, as of right now, based on my initial reaction and letting it marinate for a few days, I really think this is the best superhero movie I've ever seen. It's definitely the best live action superhero movie. Um, one of the big things about this movie for me is that Peter Parker is always a source of good. He's a source of, of doing the right thing, regardless of his own well-being. And this movie exemplifies that to the nth degree. Um, and it's honestly the first time we've seen Pete do that in the MCU. Um, you know, he sacrificed his own physical well-being to do the right thing, but to this degree, no. No, this is a first. And it was, it was again, exemplified through the other spiders as well. So, but we should wrap this podcast up. It is now two hours and fucking 30 minutes. Good gravy. Yeah. And I am starving. I got to get, it is, it is. Yeah. We got to wrap this fucker up. Okay. Everybody. So a plus from both of us, I think, right? Yes. 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 Everything. This episode got an a plus, which is insane. Nothing was bad that we reviewed today. Like I said, at the top of the show, this week has been the greatest week of the year in in forms of entertainment for me. Really has really fucking has. Um, but yeah, so, uh, uh, let me grab my phone. So next week, everybody, we're going to be reviewing, uh, spider. Wow. I can't stop saying spider. Uh, we're reviewing um, The Matrix Resurrections and uh, the first, I think first and second, I could be wrong, episode of Book of Boba Fett. It might just be the first episode, but both exciting. I'm excited for both things. So we're going to review those next week. Uh, make sure you follow us on the socials listed below. Uh, check out the Teespring store. We have new merch on there with the new uh, art, if you will, art, new-ish art. Um, and uh, check out the YouTube channel. Go give that a follow and a like and a subscribe. Helps us out with the algorithm. Even if you don't watch it, I totally get it because it's just really me. 
uh, in regards to video. But um, yeah, Mario, where can folks find you? Well, you can find me on Facebook under my name. It's not hard to find. You know, easy to figure out. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, they're attached to my Facebook profile. It's a public profile. You can do so. If you want to catch me on other shows, I'm on the Realm of Collectors YouTube channel every other Wednesday on a, a live action figure review show at 9.30 p.m. Eastern called Figabangin'. And sometimes on alternating Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on Shelf Gravy. Uh, when I have something to work on. Uh, but yeah, that's where you can find me. What about you, Greg? Uh, you can find me on all socials under Chubb Rock Geek. Uh, also recorded a recent episode with Anthony um, at Mission Start Podcast where we talk about the Game Award stuff. So if you, that, that interests you, go check that out. Um, that is uh, Mission Start Podcast. Um, other than that, yeah, that's I think that's it for me. Uh, again, guys, Matrix Resurrections, Book of Boba Fett. Very exciting next week. Uh, come and join us after watching those. Um, and uh, we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody.